Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Dynasty Bulls Podcast. Nick Hale to the Redskins Blaster and Joshua Johnson here to make you laugh, challenge your mind, and help you build foundation. This is the Dynasty Bulls, presented by the Dynasty Football It's time for the Dynasty Pulse. Once again, I am Joshua Johnson. I love bratwurst and Greek yogurt. With me, as always, is the force of poetry, killing all you seem to be. It's Nick Hale to the Redskins. Wagner, what is up, Nick? Oh, not much, Josh. I've been uh, battling an addiction lately. Uh, Here's how bad it's gotten. Uh, At one point recently, I had sushi for four straight meals. Luckily, it's pretty cheap around here, under $8 at the grocery store. So it's not killing me financially, but... Ugh, I can't stop eating it. How are you doing today, Josh? Mm, probably sounds like a good health plan. Maybe you lost a few pounds. Not that your skinny butt probably needed to, but uh, you know <laughs> what I mean. Uh, uh, well, you know, typically we bring you an awesome show every week, but today we just uh, we just have such an amazing show for you. And I'm not just saying that. We have DFW royalty. I got Dan Burgundy behind stopping by in just a couple minutes. We know you love him. So just just absorb him as he comes on. Um, and then very proud to announce that we have uh, some more DFW royalty and Alan Saddle stopping by in about a half an hour. So, uh, yeah, just just an amazing lineup of guests today. And we have some great things to talk about as well with everybody. Uh, Dan's going to enlighten us on what dynasty owners should be doing during the summer downtime. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit more about the charity tournament that we got going on. Alan's going to enlighten us on some speed bumps as he continues that contest going forward here until the start of the season. Uh, we're also going to swing it back to April as, uh, um, excuse me, we Alan wrote a story about DeMarco Murray's production and how it was going to take a drop off this season. So we'll kind of get a little bit into that with with him uh we're also going to dive into uh an expert mock for the fantasy index that alan did talk a little bit about amari cooper uh video game style and we'll also talk about um how old is too old in redraft what what does Doreen gresham mean to the arizona cardinals uh new new segment uh new new segment i felt like i needed an alarm or something for that uh we like me and nick are going to kind of go back and forth on this every week just the kind of a guy that's maybe buried on the depth chart getting the play on words here nick um uh that we see is uh, a rosterable rosterable player for your dynasty team obviously you're going to need bigger rosters 
to uh, to consider players like this, but we're going to get into one later on today. So make sure you check 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 out that. So we have a dynasty dilemma coming up. Uh, Dante Moncrief versus Cody Lattimore. That one was suggested by uh, our almighty boss in Denver there, Mr. Jay Myers. Going to have to have Jay come on sometime soon too. Um, I don't know if he's been avoiding or what, but uh, we won't. Uh, I won't let that die. So we're going to get Jay on sometime soon too. Uh, talk about the best number twenty-two in NFL history. And we'll also talk uh, a little dynasty trade analysis. Nick's going to rant, and finally, questions from the forum. It sounds like I said a lot of things. It's because I did, and we have an amazing show to you to, for you today. Uh, like I said, Alan Satterley, and I already have Mr. Dynasty Dan Hines on the phone. So let's patch Mr. Dan. Through. And this is what I live for. Everything I've been through, all I had to endure. And this is what I'm just for. And now I can see this with my whole life of risk off. This is what I live for. Everything I've been through, all I had to get to And this is what I'm living for. And now I can see this with my whole life of risk All right. Thanks to Visa Noble One for that little music clip. Um, Dan, what's going on today, buddy? That was badass, dude. I like that intro. Yeah. <laughs> it's what we live That's for, man. Helped. That's all right. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm running and gunning, just uh, uh, dealing with a no-call, no-show employee in my real life here on the other on the other side of the phone. So hopefully that gets resolved while I'm talking to you. <laughs> yeah. The life busy. of a restaurant owner. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Uh, all right. Yeah, I well, got it on we, silent. I'm dedicated. I'm ready. How uh, are you guys? Cool. I haven't um, talked to you since we had dinner, man. Yeah, it, it's been too long. I need I need an excuse <laughs> to bring you back, and I think we got one. So, uh, <laughs> yes, thank, thanks for dinner, and uh, obviously we're happy to happy to have you back. And obviously, everybody out there in the Dynasty Pulse land knows who Dan is. He's, one of the figureheads, I guess we'll call him, over there at the sure. Dynasty Football Warehouse. So, uh, welcome. Um, we've already explained to the audience that we have a massive show today with you and then Alan Satterley back to back. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's going to get yep. better than that. Uh, yeah, I got a long. bone to pick. I got a bone to pick with Alan and his uh, bull. Okay. Demarco Murray's gonna, you know, not live up to his record-setting all-time great season this year. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, so I'm gonna um, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have my two cents in on that. Not that he's going to, just that it's virtually impossible to live up okay. to it. All right. All right. <laughs> um, well, yeah. uh, just just to continue our lineup, amazing guest. I've actually somehow corralled Sir William Serby to join us next week. So look forward oh, to that. Oh, forward. And then the following week we have a former NFL player. So uh, nice. I don't That's want to, right. I don't want to reveal I don't want to reveal that name yet, but uh, maybe next week. Um, so stay tuned for that. So yeah, we're just we're hitting it hard as the season progresses. Uh, but Dan, yeah, maybe. You're, they, yes. 
you come on to enlighten us about what dynasty owners should be doing during the summer downtime. What, what, what are you doing right now with your team? Rookie drafts are over. There's maybe yep. a trade offer coming here and there. There's waiver claims. What, what should you really be doing right now? Sure. Well, I um, I wrote a, a three-part series for DFW that I really, really liked. It was one of my favorite ones, and I feel like it should be almost republished. And it's almost a Dynasty 201. It's for intermediate Dynasty players. It's when you really start to understand your player markets. Not every play, not every Dynasty owner plays the way I do. Um and that's more like a stock market gauging player values, constantly buying low, selling high. You know, there's nothing wrong. There's many, many ways to to build your team. Um, so I'll preface, you know, what I do with you really don't have to do anything. Um, you know, I mean, I wouldn't do that because what fun is that? But but on the flip side, if you know the players you want and you're feeling good about them and you took them for a reason and you're confident in your decisions and you're unwavering in your analysis, then sit back and wait for the season to start. I think you'll get caught many times, but on the flip side, most dynasties have big rosters. There's plenty of ways to cover your mistakes. Me personally, I like to play kind of according to that three-part market series. So throughout the season, we have all different types of markets, and you see them swing, and you're already starting to see it swing right now. Before, before, uh, well, after season ends, Super Bowl season, you know, weekend, maybe even a little before, all the way up past, a little past the rookie draft is basically your rookie market. This is when everybody goes nuts over rookies. This is where everybody overvalues them and starts giving away their rosters for the 1.04 in the hopes of maybe landing the player there, you know? And we see it all the time. And it's, it's when you want to sell off your rookie picks if you're looking to gain value on your team overall. Um, and what happens right after that is what I refer to as the veteran market. This is the time where everybody starts settling in and you realize through training camp news and through reports that, well, maybe these rookies aren't all quite what they seem to be. Maybe they're not all going to be Odell Beckham Jr. Maybe they're all not going to be, you know, Adrian Peterson right out of the gate. And, you know, the reality is last year was a freak show anomaly of wide receiver production at the rookie position. We'll see if that continues or not. But the reality is, is this is when teams, especially teams that want to win, whether your team's set up to win or not, you start seeing that value gauge, you know, start moving towards those proven entities a little bit. Some of the uncertainty starts coming in with the rookies a little more. What we're so certain about in our scouting reports and how we see this thing playing out all of a sudden has a whole bunch more factors and maybe that savvy veteran just isn't ready to get out of the way yet well what do we do we are banking on this player for you know a running back two position or whatever and you know so all of a sudden those those veteran guys that nobody wants to touch that you couldn't give away a few weeks ago or a few months ago start having that value and so you know, the, what you need to be doing right now is understanding how these markets work and understanding, 
you know, how people kind of perceive that so that you know the best times to sell certain types of players on your teams. You know the best time to hold them and you know the best time to buy. And so right now is that time where if you've been holding on to, you know, more proven entities like an Anquan Bolden and, you know, and his value is a little more desperate. So he'll start peaking right at the very close to the season starts, you know, when people are just realizing that maybe Dante Moncrief and Cody Lattimore aren't going to put up the wide receiver three numbers they were hoping. Who can I get for cheap? Well, you can give Bolden away three months ago. Now you can. Now you can get some value for him. Um, so knowing that kind of stuff, what you really need to be doing is paying attention. That's what you need to be doing. I mean, you need to have your values, and you need to be paying attention to camp battles, what's coming out. Um, you need to look at each individual situation. Since uh, there's a question in our q and I won't give it away, but it talks about, uh, you know, certain teammates hyping other certain teammates. How much do you read into that? How much is fluff? How much do you take on the word? Is this something that you want to jump on before value starts creeping in and everybody gets, you know, gets word of it? So the off season right now, to me, is where true dynasties are made. This is where your homework pays off. This is where uh, you can really start gaining those little edges. I mean, in today's world, we all have access to information all the time in a split second. Even if you get it before I do, by the time you send me your shitty trade offer, all I got to do is Google the name and I have the same information, you know? So it's not that we're trying to one up our opponents or slide things underneath them, but let's face it, that's what we're trying to do. Uh, we're trying to gain an edge. Any, you know, that's who we're, we're trying to gain an edge anywhere we can. Um, so this is where it happens right now, being able to better foresee certain situations, you know, like your Dante Moncrief um, Lattimore situation. It's a perfect example. There are two guys with a ton of question marks and a ton of upside. And the person who sees that situation, right, is going to win. Okay, and I have my two cents, but I'm not going to ruin your dynasty dilemma right now. Um, so being able to, you know, being able to imagine, because that's what it really comes down to, the people with the best imagination, being able to take these variables, being able to take Manning and all the other weapons and understand that, oh, is this Manning's last year? Is it not his last year? Well, Demaryius Thomas just got a contract. Does that mean he's going to fluff off a, you know, uh How's Emmanuel Sanders going to be? Is that are you going to have his leg drive? Are they going to run more with Kubiak in town? Putting all these equations into it and then sliding over to Moncrease and saying, well, you know, he's buried. There's 900 wide receivers, you know, on that team. And they just brought in another one. Is T.Y. going to be gone next year? Are they going to wait another year to work him in? Blah, 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 blah. You know, there's so many, there's so many variables. But if you can take those in and just kind of step back and imagine – like, what did you see last year? You know, what are their options this year? How do you foresee them being used? What's going to benefit more down the road then? You know, and then short-term and long-term. So, you know, that plays a whole another factor. Why are you after this guy? Are you after him because you think he's going to hit big? 
right now and then you're going to sell them off or are you after this guy because you think at the end of the day he's going to hit big stay big and i'm going to keep him on my roster so this is why the game's so addicting this is guy why the game is so much better than any form of redraft you'll ever play the best part of redraft is drafting well that's over you know so now what no one wants to trade no one wants to analyze no one wants to do any of that you know that's why Dynasty is so awesome, because we're all out there. We're all analyzing. We're all looking at these situations. If, at least if you're in a really good league, these are what your owners are doing. We got 48 owners in Dynasty 48 that are doing that. I mean, that's crazy, right? <laughs> so um, so that is, that's why Dynasty, you know, that's what I do in the offseason. I mean, it's I don't just wax over it all day long. You got to get your son, you got to get your workouts in, you got to spend time with your family, enjoy your damn summer. But when those pockets of time come, sit down, overanalyze your roster, figure out who your long-term pieces are, figure out who's maybe at the peak of their value, figure out if it's time to sell off some of those veterans, figure out if it's time to sell off some of those rookies. And, you know, and, uh, you know, because right now the rookie market's going to start trending down. So if you want to capitalize on someone who might be a little overvalued, like a Buck Allen, we could go back and forth on him all day long, right? I mean, Forsett mm-hmm. could, could have one more year. He could not have one more year. The guy got beat up really good at the end of last year. And he just got paid, which he really deserved. There's a lot of factors right there. Buck Allen's got some mad skills. He's probably a top five back coming out of last year's draft class. He's probably top 15, 10 for sure in this class. He's got a good opportunity there. Takes one injury. Same with Cameron Artis Payne and Stu, you know, down in, in Carolina. You know, will they hold up? Is that a guy you want to hold on to? Right now is when their value is going to start falling, when they realize that poor set is going to start. Stewart is going to start. So those are the guys I need if I want to actually compete and win this year. However, what are the odds one of these guys gets hurt? How are they going to, you know, how is it going to, anyway, you get what I'm saying. So it's endless. It's fun. It's, uh, it's relentless. Um, and there's no (laughs) shortage of action, you know, no shortage of moves you can do. Um, just be careful not to go, analysis by or paralysis by analysis don't overanalyze it's a fine line and don't trade just to trade there is an addictive side of dynasty football that i have to warn against and that is the trade fix and many a bad trades have been made just to get a trade fix and uh yeah that's that's what you need to be doing follow pay attention do your homework uh, I'm going to buy you a t-shirt that says paralysis by analysis. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Nick, having heard all of that, did I trade Trey Mason too soon? I mean, let's say, you know, a week from now or a week from the season, we know that Did you trade in Trey Mason? Month. Yeah, I just traded him you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I got three offers so, for him right now, by the way. Yeah. So, Nick, what do you think? I mean, a week from the season, we can know Gurley's going to miss the first four games, and then Mason's Mason's going to skyrocket, right? Well, I believe I saw a report that uh, Todd Gurley is actually a lot healthier than they expected him to be. So if that's the case, then I think you probably got rid of Mason at a great time. 
Um, and I just want to know, I'll point out, and I'll give credit where credit is due, but I listen because I'm a podcaster. I listen to a lot of other podcasts, and I've been listening to the Ross Tucker Fantasy Feast podcast, and his his expert on there is Evan Silva from Roto World. And Evan also wanted to yep. make sure that everybody knew that in addition to the ACL tear, Gurley also missed a bunch of time hit the year before with uh, a high ankle sprain and a partially torn hip, I believe. I mean, so he's he's certainly been damaged in the lower legs. So that's, I mean, that's, I'm really on the fence about Gurley myself, and that, uh, that uh, maybe even scares me a little more. I know he could, you know, just overcome and be, be one of the greatest of all time, but that's just certainly something to, something to, put out there any other comments on what dan uh, dan just said there i was uh curious if you think it's a good strategy now the training camps are starting to actually buy low on rookies who are getting off to slow starts or uh, happen to get uh, dinged up with minor injuries in training camp the way odell beckham did last year i think it's a fantastic strategy i think it completely depends on what team type you have um you know that's where that's where my market uh articles and uh, under, it's called under the series is called understanding your dynasty markets, and basically it's broken down to rookies, vets, and free agents. And it's really about understanding the market, but it's always it's about understanding the counter market as well because they go hand in hand. It just depends on what you're doing. If like my 36 team is surprisingly stacked after I tanked year one to just kind of rebuild and, you know, get it going. I really thought it was going to be a two-year project, but now I'm teetering on the edge of, do I want to try to pull off some two or three for ones, get a couple more studs and see if I can't get this thing in shape, you know, right before the season and try to compete here. So I would be in more of a veteran market. You know, I'm not going to buy low on those rooks or I could go that way and I could just, say, hey, you know, I'm cashing it in, or maybe I'll get lucky and hit on a couple of these rooks. But, um, you know, like, for instance, I have an offer on the table right now, I believe, for Trey Mason, for Buck Allen, Terrell Suggs, and I give Mason, and I think, a fourth or something like that. And if you're really breaking it down, Mason's talent is every bit as good as Buck Allen's. I'd probably give the edge to Mason by a slim margin. Buck Allen's situation is a little more favorable. Let's call those guys a wash. Um, Terrell Suggs is probably not, you know, a 32-year-old linebacker, probably not a guy you want to be paying for at this point. On the flip side, I have four linebackers, basically, and – and one on my taxi squad, so I could use a little production and depth, which is exactly what Suggs is. Maybe I don't mind paying for that. And, you know, but but I'm kind of contradicting myself then. So I'm getting older and getting production, but at the same time, well, maybe those break even. Buck Allen, you know, buying a little low as four sets going up, you know. So I'm a little torn on that one right now. I like Buck Allen a lot, actually. And I personally don't think Forsett's going to hang out, hold up that much. So, um, you know, so I, I may end up taking that deal and it may end up working well for me. But if you're rebuilding, yeah, that's the move, you know, Nick, for sure. Um, you know, or looking, especially at the running back position. I mean, that's a great strategy right now is go buy two underpriced ones and sell off, uh, you know, a Stewie. 
get rid of a Stewie and get, you know, a Buck Allen and a Cameron Artist Saint or someone else, someone who wants to, you know, and go two for one and stack your roster with as many line, as many running backs as you can. That's a great strategy. I mean, that's, that's what I'm doing in a couple leagues is just, I got eight or nine running backs and two tight ends and five wide receivers, you know, and it's like, I feel good about that. I'm confident that at least two of those running backs are going to work out. So anyway. Well, and yeah, I mean, I'm in that 30-16 team league with you. And yeah, you're, you are stacked in that league. I mean, absolutely stacked. Um, and I just, and it, it just makes you wonder if you, you know, if you, you're stacked, so you could afford to maybe trade one of those veteran wide receivers. I mean, your receivers are ridiculous. I think I have twice as many. Oh, my wide receivers are crazy good. Yeah. But you you are, you're, yeah, your team looks, looks way better on, on paper than mine. And, um, so maybe you can, maybe you can lose one of those guys and gain, you know, maybe two rookies, you know, maybe, maybe like, you know, Justin Hardy or a Kenny Bell, if you're trading, you know, one guy, something you don't need those guys, you know, you you need need those guys right now, but it's going to help you for the future. And you have the roster spot. Uh, listen to Dan's receivers, uh, Devontae Adams, Nelson Aguilar, Tavon Austin, John Brown, Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree, Josh Gordon, uh, DGB, Percy Harvin, Alshon Jeffrey, Corey Lattimore, Jordan Matthews, and Cordell Patterson. So there's plenty of guys there with <laughs> good upside and plenty of guys there that are pretty damn awesome uh, too. Yeah. So, I mean, you, yes, that's, that's, a, that's a stacked lineup for sure. Well, that's the problem with playing in an expert league, though. You know, when it's 32-team league, you need studs. You know, you also need depth in that league because we can start up to five wide receivers. So, I mean, my wide receivers could very well carry the fact that I have basically five or six rookie running backs and nobody else. So I really have no running backs. I mean, Terrence West right now is probably my running back one, you know. But I have David Johnson, Cameron Artis Payne. Um, uh, who else do I have? I forget. You're looking at it. Uh, I <laughs> I just I just lost it. Um, yeah, um, I mean, I have four or five, you know, Trey Mason. I have a lot of decent talent, but just no clear indicator of a real starter there. And the hopes is, okay, mix and match until a couple of these guys work themselves out, or maybe I sell off and go find something a little more sure, certain. The problem is, is in a league like this, everybody's looking for that. And nobody right now with stuffed rosters wants to take on a three-for-one deal when they're already going to have to cut two or three or four or five guys. And now they're taking on three more and giving up their stud, which they know they're going to need. And so it gets a little tricky. I've tried to work some deals. And in the end with this team, I'm doing it a little different. I'm basically just harvesting as much upside as I possibly can. And when things start getting really emotional in the season, when things, you know, when, when Nelson Aguilar blows up for back-to-back 30-point weeks and everybody thinks he's Odell Beckham Jr., I'll have a hard decision to make. But at least I'll get the value for him, you know. And, and that'll help break all of our experts and our savvy dynasty owners out of their shell a little bit. And people will just have to have him. And so that's what I've kind of reserved myself for is, hey, the odds of four or five of my wide receivers going big time on it this year are really, really good. 
and I'll have to decide if I want to keep them or if I want to make my move for running backs or just use my three first round picks next year. <laughs> yeah, you certainly certainly have options there. So, um, well, we also want you to we also had you come on uh, to to pimp the charity contest. I know I still need to get my uh, division going, but uh, what what how's that going, and what what else needs to be said uh, right now? Yeah, it's going really good. The site's finished. We're going to start push our push here the first week of August to start getting teams signed up and get them drafting. Uh, as of right now, I've had nobody back out that I'm aware of. I followed up with just about everyone. So we at least have the 72 teams that were in it last year coming back. This is the Fantasy Football Charity Championships that I've talked about before on the show. Um, and, you know, I'm just going to really start applying pressure to people out there. I mean, this day and age, more than ever, we got the haves and the have-nots in this world. And you know goddamn well the haves aren't going to do anything. So we got to do it. The middlemen, you know, the people that make this place, this America work. And we need to give back. And this is a great way to give back. I mean, seriously, it does, does it get any better? You get to draft a team. It's 25 bucks. It's your lunch money for three days, maybe two, you know. And and you get to draft a team with an awesome group of guys. You have no commitment after that, so you can literally kick back and enjoy. Or you can get as involved as you want, and your division can trash talk each other up and down. The, I don't care. You can be as involved as you want or, or just set it and forget it. 25 bucks. We just partnered up with Paradise Trophies. They supplied an awesome trophy. I'll be tweeting it here at the beginning of next week. Sean O'Donnell, doggy, won it last year. He took some really cool pictures with the trophy. It's like a $200 trophy. They donated it this year. We're, pro we're sponsoring them, you know, on the site to make sure people go get their trophies. The site's all set up. Uh, I know Sean has got an entire division coming himself. He went out and recruited 11 other owners. He's working on getting 12 more. He's hoping to bring 24 teams to the tournament. That's what we're looking for. That's the challenge, you know? Yeah, one team is great, but we all know 12 people. We do. We all know 11 people that we could get 25 bucks from to come play fantasy football for a week of drafting and charity. And, and we set it up for you. Everything's taken care of. And there's prizes and there's memberships. If you bring 11 players, we'll give you a gold membership. We'll give you a rookie guide. You get free access to 1,000-plus DFW articles a year, all of our insider content. It literally pays for itself. It's 30 bucks right there. You're putting in 25. We're handing you back 30 in value and then some. So, you know, it's, uh, it's basically if you can't fill it in a week, you know, in a few days of hitting Facebook and sending a few instant messages out, and it's easy. You don't have to, I need an email and a name. You call, you go DJ Hines, H-E-I-N-S, or info at dynastyfootballwarehouse.com or DJ Hines at gmail.com, and you send me 12 names. And I harass them, and I get it paid, and I set it up, and we get them drafted, and we manage it, and we pay out the funds, and we give you guys credit. It's a beautiful thing. So if you're not in it already, get in it. If you're in it, Help us out and go find some more people. Create your own division. Pick the charity you want to play for. Pick the individual you want to play for. Maybe you have a family member. You know, 
Maybe you have someone very personal to you that's struggling with something. I think we all do. That's fair game. It's fair game. It doesn't have to be some huge foundation. It can be a legitimate personal cause that this money is going to go to. That's, we just want it to help people. That's it. So we're excited. We're hoping to at least double the 72. Tripling it would be awesome. We're going to make a huge pitch. We got some awesome pictures. The site's ready. Um, I'm ready to start harassing people for money. Uh, so yeah, that's what we got going on. So tell your friends, set a couple days, you know, set an hour aside one night, just one hour who on Facebook, where are my buddies? Hey, here it is. I got links on the site. I can send you a link. Hit me up. Um, I'll tweet about it. Find my Twitter page. You can literally just send them a link and it tells everything there is to know about the tournament. You don't even have to explain it other than, Hey, get in on this 25 bucks. So I think yep. you could fill a league yep. in an hour. Mm-hmm. And if you're on, like Dan said, if you're on Twitter or Facebook and you, you know, you have a hundred, 200 friends or a hundred, 200 followers, chances are 12 people could do it that, you know, yep. I mean, that even if, or, you know, we know you, we know all you dynasty dorks are in a, in a home redraft league. Maybe maybe you have everybody do that. Maybe you have everybody say, hey, let's do, let's do a mock, you know, and and let's do a mock, and it's going to go to a good cause, you know. But and it's a it's a thing where you you know it's so hard to pinpoint that one night to do your actual redraft draft. You don't have to do that. You can do this via email over the course of a couple of weeks. It's yeah, couldn't couldn't be simpler, I, and it's all it's all beneficial. I'm going to steal one more minute. I tell a story last year. I met a guy at my daughter's soccer practice whose daughter had cerebral pulse. And I just said, hi, you know, my name's Dan. Is this your daughter? And I asked him the hard question. I'm like, does she have cerebral palsy? He's like, yeah. And I said, well, you know, you should know about this. This was happening right at the time. And I said, you should know about this. And I'm sure, you know, I know he was, he was quizzing me. He was asking me all this stuff because I'm sure, you know, he was skeptical or whatever who is this guy asking for money and I said well here check it all out you know no no worries no worries whatever but you know you can literally raise money for CP and you know that at the time that's what we were raising money for Um, and and so he went out and he's like well you know what we've had this redraft league just like you said for the last five six years but we didn't do it last year maybe they would get behind this because it's less intensive. It's easy. Still get this concept. Everyone gets involved a little bit and it goes to a good cause and they can rally behind raising money for my daughter. He brought 24 teams to the tournament last year. One third of our entire tournament was filled by him, you know? So it's that easy. I mean, I'm not going to settle for 144 teams with this thing. You know, we need thousands of teams in this tournament people really to make that kind of difference so you know we'll we'll take one at a time but it's that easy he spent a little effort because it was a personal cause to him and he came up with 24 people he's bringing them all back this year too that's uh like we said yep couldn't be simpler and uh we will it's it's really it's like I said it's something you're going to do anyway. Then over the next course of the next month, so why not make it make it go towards a good cause? 
Um, you got well, it. Dan, thank you. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Uh, we, we appreciate it, and uh, you, you know you're coming back. So uh, I'll, I'll work up another kooky music music intro for you, all right? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Cody Latimer. All right, take <laughs> I I will have something to say about that later, but now we're patching Mr. Allen Saturday through. So let's get Allen on the line here. Hey. Welcome, Alan. How's it going, bud? Hey, it's going great. I thought that was the uh, I thought that was about to be Steve Steve Ray Vaughan's Crossfire song with the drumming drumming in the beginning. I thought I was about to go into Crossfire. Oh, and maybe no. I am. <laughs> uh, that was uh, White Wizard High Speed GTO. I just searched um, the word speed since you since you all are at Speed Kills. At, underscore DFW on Twitter. I just thought, I was like, ah, let's get him something with the word speed in it. Awesome. Um, I appreciate that. So for, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. It's Alan Satterley. Um, DFW royalty, I guess. You're kind of the redraft side. You, you, you're in DFW 48. You, you, you do a lot of things. I feel like you have an article every day. I don't know how you do it. Every time I talk to you, you're on vacation, but yet there's an article coming out every day. So uh, welcome to the Dynasty Pulse. Uh, in case you haven't formally met Nick, Nick, Alan, Alan, Nick. Hey, Nick. How's it going, Alan? Super. I'm enjoying summer day here and enjoying my, uh, on a personal level, my daughters. I've got about nine days left before one goes to South Carolina, so go Cox, and one goes to Alabama, Roll Tide. It'll be fun. Wow. Well, SEC inter-school rivalry, I like it. Yeah, I've decided I'm just going to root for Alabama. <laughs> uh, not LSU or Florida or anything like that. Yeah, nobody, nobody likes the Florida Gators. But anyway, because um, I'm a Florida State fan. But anyway, we asked Alan to stop by just to enlighten us on on all the things he does here at the show. Um, but first, I got to tell you a little story, Alan. Um, many years ago, I, did, I sorry, sorry to sound, yeah, whatever. Um, Probably two or three years ago, at least three actually. Now that I think about it, I I came across an article I think on either I'm pretty sure it was on Twitter or maybe possibly Facebook or maybe I was just Google searching player. Came across an article and it was an article by you and I wish for the life of me I could figure I could remember what it was, but I just remember reading it thinking, man, that is really good. And I need to. And at the time I was just starting out at the at rotorob.com. Uh, it was, doing a little football stuff here and there and helping with the baseball side. And it's like, man, I need to get somebody hooked up on this because Rob promised me to do the, I could do the football podcast. And I was like, man, I need to get somebody from this website on our podcast. So I emailed the website and then of course you guys pawned Dan off on us. Uh, but that's obviously for the, a quite, quite the relationship. And now me and Nick are here at DFW as we've, joined forces with uh, you and Dan and uh, Jay and Bill and Jeff and Sean and, and, and everybody. So uh, it's, it's your, I guess it's basically what I'm saying is it's your fault. We're here, Alan. So thank you. <laughs> well, I'm, that's i I'm so delighted you are and I appreciate all the support and partnership too, for sure. And, and uh, it's a great team. So thank you. Yeah. Um, 
So you started something uh, earlier this month called the Speed Bumps Challenge. I understand this is an annual thing. Uh, why don't you maybe just tell us a little bit about it, and then we'll kind of break down a couple of them here. Yeah, I would love to. So, you know, I've been playing fantasy football for, this will be my 26th year. I started um, when my grandmother got remarried, just to back up a little bit uh, and put some context <laughs> in this. <laughs> I was born on a farm, no, but my uh, grandmother got remarried later in life, and we went out to buy beer at the store and saw a book that was by Miller Lite, How to Play Fantasy Football, 26 years ago. Picked up the book, drafted right there at her reception in the backyard, and then my family league has been playing ever since. So I'm a huge fantasy football fan. Um, you know, we, um, you know, before the internet, and then the internet came out, and I know it sounds silly, but it, and then at one point I stumbled across Draft Sharks. Love that site, and uh, they do a great job. And I was a member at Draft Sharks, and um, I came into the forum there, and just so just kind of bragging about getting my calls right. And, uh, and I started bumping all my old forum posts, which I learned you're not supposed to do that. And they were calling it speed bumps. And so the next year I started the competition in their forum board, uh, on draft sharks, started my own site with a few other folks. It was dynasty based, uh, which folded called dynasty rogues, but we did it for five years and maybe not that long. Maybe it was four years and, uh, and ran the speed bumps there. And now this is our third year on, uh, DFW, and it's basically a series of 30 polls, one per day. We do it over the, the dog days of summer, so it's fun in July, uh, reviewing uh, a series of players, and it's kind of a boot camp, so thinking through, if you run the clock, who would you draft? Like, you, maybe you would follow ADP, maybe you wouldn't, and uh, we'll cover about 125 players, so about 12, uh, said about 12 rounds of, of players, ultimately, uh, you vote on one. The winner will get a hundred dollars in the recognition. So Sean won it last year, actually Sean Kirby, and um, yeah, that's basically the summary. Okay. And you had one today, Justin Forsett versus the Saints running backs. So I like that. That's uh, that's good. Um, uh, but yeah, and I'm really intrigued by it. Obviously, there's a lot of a lot of thoughts and a lot of uh, a lot of awesome graphics that go into this. I want to give credit to whoever does that. If it's you or Jeff. Carl Zabel. Yes. <laughs> oh, Carl. Yeah. yeah I'm glad uh, you mentioned it. That guy's awesome. And if if you need yeah. help for your website, he he does. That. I know a lot of people use Carl. Carl is a, he's a, I guess he, he's a member here and he's also in DFW 36. He's certainly helped me a lot with uh, some, uh, my fantasy league stuff as well too. So yeah, definitely. Definitely a good guy there. Um, I I don't know why, and I should have known this because we've been pimping this in the podcast, but I didn't even know that we could do it. So I guess I can go back and vote. I, I feel stupid saying that, but uh, I can take down Kirby. Bring it on. Um, yeah, click on uh, – at the very top of DFW, click on 15 speed bumps, uh, and all of them are there. So you can do them all in a minute. Click just right, right poll by poll. Very easy, but let's get to a couple of them here. Um, the first one was you called the Jameis Winston poll. What, you want to maybe explain your thought process behind that? Yeah, so some of them like today, uh, just trying to be crafty anyway, uh, but like we had Justin Forsett versus the Saints running backs. Uh, tomorrow it'll be Calvin versus the Packer receivers. Uh, sometimes we have a name poll. Uh, I guess that's my geeky way of having fun, but uh, typically like the Super Bowl MVP, I'll have like a name poll. 
first pick of the draft, so it's the Jameis Winston poll. And so basically just thinking about where would you uh where should where should he be uh ranked and you know, would you be comfortable drafting Jameis Winston versus uh uh, the people that we have in the in the poll against them, which uh, is Sam Bradford, uh, Flacco, Marcus Mariota, and Carson Palmer. So it was uh, five options in that one. Well, looking at this one myself, and and I know we we as fantasy owners do it all the time, but there's always like you know maybe two or three guys in every the back of every fantasy owner's mind that you just you got burned by them once and you just can never tread back into those waters again. Um, I wish I had learned that lesson with Darren McFadden many years ago, but I didn't. Um, but uh, this poll on the is the complete opposite of that for me, um, and it's I got to go with Joe Flacco. I for whatever reason I'm not a Ravens fan. I'm a Raiders fan. Make that quite clear here, but. With this poll, I just even you know it's not a dynasty or a redraft angle. It's just these five players this year, correct? That's right. Yep. Yeah. So I I gotta go Flacco, even though there's question marks. I just like his experience, and he saved. He literally saved one of my dynasty teams from. Well, I guess he saved me from having the first overall pick, which maybe I could have could have used in a better roster. But I did okay in that rookie draft. But uh, my other quarterbacks in that league were Sam Bradford and Nick Foles. So. And Flacco was a quarterback that I took, you know, way late because everybody was down on him after the down year after the Super Bowl, and I, he he saved me. So I got I got to go Flacco there just just for the experience edge. Obviously, Carson Palmer is a little bit older, but you know he's had just a rash of injury history too. So what what are your thoughts there, Nick? Yeah, I would also have to go Flacco. You know, Palmer and Bradford, both of them I would rule out just because of the injury history you brought up. Um, with the two rookies, I would probably go Mariota over Winston, especially for the rookie year, just because Mariota's going to get you those extra yards on the ground that Winston's probably not going to offer. But, yeah, I think Flacco definitely has to be the choice there. Yeah. And, you know, are, are we playing it too safe with this poll? Maybe, I mean, Dan, I feel like Dan might yell at us because he, he likes to be a little bit risky. He likes to play, uh, you know, Maybe play it. I'm trying to trying to say something appropriate here. Um, you know, just a, he's a little more of a, a gambler, I guess we'll say. What What are your thoughts on this, Will Allen? Uh, for me, I, uh, I I think the Flacco's a good call. I mean, he he hasn't had 4,000 yards in the season, but he's been close, and you know, he certainly could get up to I think 4,500, uh, maybe. He could have hit 27 touchdowns last year, so he he could. Could get up to thirty. Um, I, however, went with Carson Palmer. I just think he—you mentioned the health. If he can stay healthy, I think he could have a really big year. Uh, this is the third season with him and Bruce Arians, and uh, Bruce Arians does some great work as a coach. Um, I can't remember if it was me or Nick or our guest last week, but somebody, somebody, uh, or maybe it was another podcast I listened to, or somebody recently said. And I wish I could remember if it was actually me, but somebody recently said they see Mariota having a, an RG three like rookie year. Do you do you agree with that? You think that's feasible? I would say maybe it's, not uh, the playoffs. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think he's going to have uh, a lot of a lot of success, primarily running for sure. I mean, all the other quarterbacks that came into the league in recent history. I mean, even back to Vince Young and, uh, you know, got Kaepernick, Cam Newton, Michael Vick, Griffin, all of them had a lot of success right out of the bat because they could run. So I think, I think Mariota will do that. I, 
I don't see him having a big passing year, though, personally. What's Dan um, think? Oh, uh, he thinks he thinks him and DGB are going to be street balling it all year long. He thinks DGB is going to score like twelve touchdowns. I try. I tried to talk to him. <laughs> he loves that DGB. <laughs> uh, but uh, and you know, well, look at look at it this way. And I was thinking about it the other day. DGB's catch radius. Has, has an amazing catch radius, and Mariota, as far as I'm concerned, is the, one of the most accurate quarterbacks I've seen in the last couple of years come out. So, how you know that that's not you know that's not going to certainly dissuade Dan at all. Just think, just thinking all around that line. So, um, uh, any, any more thoughts on that poll, Nick? Um, no, I think we pretty much covered all the bases there. I do think, you know, I, I agree with Alan that if uh, Carson Palmer does stay healthy, that he will be the highest scorer out of that group. I just uh, I have a hard, such a hard time trusting his health, though. And if you want to look at it from a sheer weapon standpoint, you know, Ellington, David Johnson, John Brown, Michael Floyd, Larry Fitzgerald, you know, that nobody nobody other these quarterbacks have those same type of weapons. Yeah, yeah, you got Mike Evans, and yeah, you got DGB, and even even Bradford's got Aguilar and Jordan Matthews and and, and some decent running backs, but uh, you know, there's it seems to be just he's Carson just has that one more weapon there. It seems like so. Yeah, it's a good pull. Uh, and and adding Jermaine team. Gresham, uh, that doesn't yeah. hurt any either. Yeah, I, that'll be an interesting fit there because I know Bruce Arians doesn't use the tight end a whole lot, but he also really hasn't had a tight end in Arizona that they could views per se so um next poll speaking of tight ends uh we got jimmy graham versus travis kelsey nick what what, what are your initial thoughts here on this one you know i know everybody's worried about uh, jimmy graham and the move to seattle it's a lot more conservative of a passing attack than graham played in in new orleans but i still think just talent wise alone you got to go with jimmy graham in this no, no disrespect to Travis Kelsey. I mean, he's probably he's probably tight end number three as far as redraft or dynasty is concerned. But Jimmy Graham, I think, is still de- definitely in a, in a class of his own. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think you know Graham making the move to Seattle has a lot of people maybe may putting Kelsey at number two in their rankings. Uh, Alan, what what are your thoughts there? Maybe a little background on the poll. Yeah, well, the background of the poll is it's. Uh, I think it's they are like you said, very close to probably number two or three. Um, b- voting has been almost straight down the middle, so uh, you know it, this one's turned out to be a, a good poll for sure. And um, I, I have to agree though. I, I took uh, I took uh, Jimmy Graham. I mean, it's hard not to just to give him that respect. I have him super close on projections. So on the DFW projections, we've got Jimmy Graham for 206.5 and Kelsey right there at 203.2. So super close. Uh, but that said, yeah, if I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to just stick with Jimmy Graham. I, I think, and I hope that he'll be fine in Seattle. For some reason, I want to say, and I know people might disagree with this and say the opposite, but I feel like Kelsey scores more touchdowns, but Graham has more receptions. And I think a lot of people would think the other, but I just think the way those offenses work, I think, I think there's not going to be a lot of Graham down the field. There's going to be a lot of, you know, eight, uh, five to eight yard passes, you know, maybe 10 to 12 yard passes 
for Graham. And obviously there'll be so obviously Graham's gonna score some touchdowns and then get some jump balls in the red zone. But I, I feel like maybe Kelsey's is more of a more of a you know consistent performer because he's gonna get he's gonna get more touchdowns. So Oh, that's a good one. That's a, you can approach that one from many different angles, but I, I really like that one. Now, this one is kind of uh, all over all over the map here as you get some running backs. Uh, Melvin Gordon, Matt Forte, Arian Foster. Obviously, we have a rookie, um, uh, a very old guy and running back, <laughs> very old running back, I should say, and Matt Forte, who uh, obviously has been very successful. And then you have a guy who's, who's also very successful. The only problem is he has a little trouble staying on the field and hearing him foster. What are your thoughts on this this poll here, Alan? Well, I'm glad you asked on this one, actually, because I'm, uh, I'm actually been working on this one, and it, uh, you know, sort of as we speak, so I've been spending a lot of time thinking about these three. I set it up by design to, uh, to kind of catch people, because I think, for me, Melvin Gordon all the way, and I feel like most people aren't going to say this, so I am trying to get one up on people and win the poll myself if I can. Uh, you know, I think most people are going to pick either Forte or Foster. I think they're both. Matt Forte would be a guy who would just flat out avoid, in my opinion, uh, this year. And I think he's, you know, his yard per carry dropped quite a bit last year. He's not going to get the type of workload that he has in the past. Um, he is getting up there. Uh, and then Aaron Foster, you know, he had a big season last last year, but his second half numbers are a lot worse than his first half. I think both of them are you know, injury risks, well, particularly Foster, of course. Well, I think Melvin Gordon's going to come in and just have a huge year and be crazy busy. So I'll take the young, the young buck. Am I crazy? I, no, I, 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 I thought I was going to be in the minority because that's kind of what I thought too. Um, as I, as I try to work into the podcast every week, the question I'm, I'm going to talk about Arian Foster at some point in time during our question and answers that comes out on Sunday an article run by our, our good buddy Jeff Katz. So make sure you check that. Alan's going to be writing on that one too, or it does sometimes. Um, and so I obviously am not a foster guy. I just can't, I can't spend that third round pick on a, on a guy that's his age and that's that, that durability issues. And, and not that I hate Forte. I just feel like San Diego wants to establish Melvin Gordon. I'm not saying he's going to be like Damian Tomlinson, but that's what they want him to be. They want. I think they're going to feed this kid the rock until he, until he can't do it anymore. And I and I think the opportunity is just going to be there. Who knows what's going to happen in Chicago? There's so many question marks. Yeah, I, I, I'm 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 with you, Melvin Gordon. Nick, could be still your thunder. Yeah, make it three for three. I w- would also take Gordon. I mean, if I had gotten the opportunity, I would have taken Gordon over Todd Gurley in uh, in any dynasty drafts. Unfortunately, I was never in that position. But, yeah, I'm really high on this kid. And, you know, the other two guys, they're old running backs. You know, when the closer you get to 30, the more likely you are to break down. And, I, you know, Foster, I think, will probably outproduce Forte just because, you know, he'll only play 10, 12 games. For those 10 to 12 games, he'll produce every week. Whereas, like you guys said, I think Forte's workload is going to be decreased a little bit as compared to years past. So, yeah, I, I would definitely take Gordon. Hi, if if I could, so we had a we did a mock draft for a DFW. It's going to come out in about a half hour. We did four rounds, and uh, but and to me this is really high. But Brian Sweet, who's on our team, loves Matt Forte. Took him fifth overall. Uh, Aaron Foster. Well, he should go in the second round. Aaron Foster went in the second round as he typically does. I got Melvin Gordon at three twelve. Feel really good about that. Um, two 
these are some really two quick stats. So uh, Arian Foster last year had um, six 100-yard games in his first seven, but in the second half of the season had just one. So that's not a great stat. And this one for me, Matt Forte, last year he, he ran the ball 260 times. He had one one run over 20 yards. That is really bad. Hmm. And that's Brian Hawks? That's uh, Matt Forte. Had one run over 20 yards last year. But but that's Brian Hawks that likes him? Oh, yeah, Brian, Brian. Sweet likes Matt Forte. Yeah, he took him fifth overall. Oh, Brian Sweet. Oh, okay, shoot. Okay. <laughs> Me and me and Nick are in a sixteen teamer with uh with Brian with the with the other Brian, and I have some. Oh, like, yeah, really Brian Hawks, right? Yeah. Maybe that was my my trading mind was rolling there, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh yeah. So um, one more that I just I just I just kind of came across here, Nick, and let's get your initial. And I know I know you're not an AP guy, but it's AP Jamal Charles and Lacey, and I think what's interesting here is, and, you know, maybe just because we're practical, but, you know, the quarterback pull, we all lean towards experience. The running backs are all, go, all going youth, and just because we know we know that running back window. So what do you think about that one there, Nick? Oh, yeah, it's got to be Lacey the, all the way. Very young running back playing in a very explosive offense there in Green Bay. Uh, no chance of a running back by committee situation, whereas Niall Davis, I think, is talented enough to take a few carries away from Jamal Charles this year. James Starks isn't that talent level that Davis is. So, yeah, I would definitely take Lacey there. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts there, Alan? I think uh, Eddie Lacey is a uh, surefire safe pick, so I would have n- no problem taking him. And, you know, to me, they're very close. Um, I probably just, it seems so exciting to draft Adrian Peterson. Um, I, I feel like I would go AP. I I think, it, you know, it'll be interesting. Every year, it seems like we're seeing, or some years, big, gigantic records be broken. You know, I could see Adrian Peterson. Peterson perhaps pushing for his own record. It wouldn't surprise me at all to, to try and get that rushing record again. I'd like a piece of that. And uh, and I could see, on a related note, I could see Antonio Brown pushing for Marvin Harrison's record of 143 receptions this year. So I could be exciting if some big records fall, and you want to have those guys on your team. So I'd take Adrian Peterson in this poll personally. That that reception record is ridiculous. It would be so crazy to see somebody break that. I mean, I, I liken that to, fan, to fantasy baseball. Somebody having, you know, Ricky Henderson that year, he stole 140 bags. It's just, it's just, it's just crazy to think that somebody had 143 receptions one like. I remember when the first person got 100 and everybody was just like, oh, you know, wow. And now 143. Yeah, that, that, he, had, uh, he had 129 last year. He only needs one more game. He can do it. Oh, wow. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm too big of a Martavius Bryant fan to, bo- to vote up for that. But, uh, um, yeah, that's, those are some great, great polls. You know, and I think with that one, it's weird to me after, you know, the initial youth, if you're not sure about it, the first other thing that came to my mind was, like Nick said, explosive offense, just the talent around Lacey. I mean, nobody else has Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb in that poll. You know, Charles Johnson, Mike Wallace, Chris Conley, Jeremy Macklin, it's not like these guys are schmucks, but it's it's Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb. Oh, and some guy named Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback. So, yeah, that's – that's uh, probably the best situation for that poll, definitely. And maybe yeah. it's too obvious. Nelson and Cobb last year, uh, they 
each had 1,200 plus yards and each had 12 plus touchdowns. That's the first time two players in the same team has ever done that in NFL history. So you are spot on and you cannot have enough Packers on your team for sure. Okay, I, I just came across one more. We got to do one more. I'll let Nick go first again. And this is good. I love the team team on team ones here. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, uh, Pierre Garçon, who we're going to have a dynasty dilemma against each other next week. So Pierre Garçon, Deshaun Jackson, Charles Johnson, and Mike Wallace. What do you think there, Nick? Well, I read this uh, this speed bump, and, yeah, this is definitely a great article. And the stat I liked was, uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but you brought up that Deshaun Jackson leads the NFL in 20-plus yard catches by quite a wide margin. So I'll take the playmaker there, Deshaun Jackson. Okay. Um, i got to go Charles Johnson. I, I feel like he's the most under-the-radar player in there, and I think him and even though he struggled – to, to have, you know, multiple receptions towards the end of the year. I think whatever whatever happened towards the end of the year in Minnesota, him and Teddy figured something out. And I and I see that I see that as a blossoming relationship there in Minnesota. What do you think, Alan? Well this is one where so you guys have it spot on in terms of Deshaun Jackson has the most bullets, forty three percent. Charles Johnson's next at twenty eight percent. Personally I would I would try and make up some ground here, and I would go. I would go Mike Wallace just to try and beat folks. I think Mike Wallace will have a very good year in Minnesota. Um, although I'm not 100 percent convinced, <laughs> but you know, I could, I don't know. I'd probably go either him or Pierre Garçon, the guys that aren't getting votes in this case. Uh, okay, we could talk about these all day, so I'm I'm, I'm going to stop. But this is totally free of charge, people, if you want to go to Dynasty Football Warehouse and just click on the speed bumps. You can just go boom, 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 click down and and vote on them. And uh, every one of them has just a nice, compelling storyline. So, Alan, I've got a lot of thought in there. And Thank you. Carl's done done well in the graphics, so it's visually appealing as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, make sure you check that out. And we're going to – I think me and Nick are going to have to maybe talk about one or two of these every week going forward as we get close to the season. Just to just to redistribute the the madness that is speed bumps. I love it. Um, now, Alan, I asked you to give us your top five sleepers. I don't care what you know. They don't need to all be at the same position, but just just maybe five guys that you feel are are good. I mean, obviously, uh, a lot of dynasty drafts are done now, but the redrafters are 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 coming as the next uh, with the next round here. So, well, what, what what do you got for us for sleepers? Well, I think uh, we'll start with running back. I, I think you know I already mentioned Melvin Gordon, so that one seems pretty uh, obvious on, on my list anyway. I think C.J. Spiller, although he's probably not a sleeper, a lot of people are high on him, but um, I could see him. You know, the seventy-plus rece- receiving running backs in New Orleans happen all the time, so uh, you know he he certainly would be uh, on that list for me. Um, not that he's a sleeper, but I, I just want to point out Mike Evans because, you know, it's typically people are get, you see him go like at the bottom of the second round, which seems crazy to me. I, I I'm going to consider him at one at two one or anywhere thereafter. He's he's game in my book. I definitely want Mike Evans. You mentioned Martavis Bryant. I think that guy could have a huge year. Uh, I think Devontae Adams, and I, when I did initial projections, we had I had him for 1,000 yards. I'm sticking by that one, I think Devontae Adams somehow is going to have a huge year this year. Um, and, um, you know, I guess kind of deeper sleepers. Um, 
at quarterback, if you waited a quarterback, I think uh, I mentioned Carson Palmer. I think he and Jameis Winston both could make hay for your team, and they actually have a very complimentary schedule. You could draft those two guys and just roll all year long, provided Carson Palmer stays healthy, of course. And um, I still like um, um, uh, the Colts receiver, uh, Moncrief, Dante Moncrief. I think uh, you know maybe having Philip Dorsett get drafted will create a, uh, a smoke screen a bit. Um, and, and and I know they signed Andre Johnson, but I think Dante Montegrief is just too talented not to have some big big games and big plays this year. So how about those? <laughs> oh, I like them. I, and we're going to talk about a little bit about Moncrief la- uh, later on in the show. But, yeah, uh, that's – that's an interesting thing is we, you know, we talked about earlier, Dan, with what dynasty owners should be doing right now. You know, I don't want to say Moncrease is under the radar guy. I feel like a lot of people think he's just kind of a victim of a depth chart right now, a loaded depth chart, if you will. But, um, you know, we start, Dan started by talking about, you know, everybody's got rookie fever towards the draft and after the draft. And I feel like if you're doing a startup, then it's like these second year players go, go by the wayside. It, especially the under-the-radar guys. I mean, I know everybody loves Cody Latimer, but, you know, I feel like Moncrief is a guy that's slipping, and we're going to talk about a little bit later that you, in in a, the fantasy index draft that you did, you got you got Moncrief, you know, at a, at a decent round in a non-PPR, and then you got John Brown even later. I mean, why yeah. are people backing off on these, these second-year guys, especially if you look at guys, like, on the defensive side of the ball, like, you know, Timmy Jernigan or Coney Ely, uh, you know, these guys, the guys that kind of had maybe down years as they were learning their position or had a weird injury or whatnot, the, these guys can be had in startups at the end of the last, end of the, you know, round 30, round 29. And it could be because everybody wants these rookies to, to build their team for the future. But, I mean, these, these other guys are just one year older, and just because they didn't have an awesome rookie year doesn't mean they're not going to be great players moving forward. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned John Brown. He's definitely someone I think could have a huge year. Um, you know, you could uh, – I, I sort of like doing hookups too, but if you could have John Brown and then you get Carson Palmer late, I mean, if you, I mean really late, of course. But, um, yeah, I like John Brown a lot. And uh, he's not – you know, I have him on my board as a fifth-round pick on my personal board. His ADP is ninth round. So at some point I hope to get him like in the eighth round then. Um, three other, if I may just – really deeper ones that I didn't mention. Um, Eddie Royal for the Bears, I think, has a very strong season. Uh, I like Cole Beasley, especially like last-round type guys. And um, I think Stevie Johnson will probably be busier than most people will think this year. So just kind of like deeper ones at the end of the draft you might want to think about. Yeah, because San Diego felt the need not to draft any receivers for some reason, which is just a total surprise in my book. I had them grabbing a couple, at least a couple. And uh, they did sign uh, Titus Young after the draft. He's a guy that I really like, but I think he's a couple years away from actually being a contributor for that team. But uh, uh, Titus Davis. Titus Davis, yes, I'm sorry, not Titus Young. I was like, wow, Titus Young is back in the league? I thought that guy was in prison. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure Titus Young that's on the line is in prison. But uh, Titus Davis, excuse me, the Central Michigan Chippewa, Titus Davis, so we know. Um, Go Chippewa. uh, Anyway, yes, go Chippewa. I went there my freshman year, actually. Anyway. 
uh, as a college football nerd, I've said this many times on the show. I have to have a team in every in every conference, and that's my MAC team, it's the, the Central Michigan Chippewas. So they got Thomas Rawls too. I mean, they got they got some good players. Yeah. Out there. Uh, uh, you Antonio Brown. Yeah, I knew I knew there was one NFL guy that was amazing coming from that college. Thank you. Um, you wrote an article back in April entitled "Prepare for 49.8 percent Demarco Murray drops." Um, obviously, the multiple carries he, he endured last year, and you have a nice little graph here talking about guys like Larry Johnson and Jamal Charles. Um, who, who experienced the same type of thing, excuse me, Jamal Anderson. Um, what you would care to elaborate on that or maybe have some feelings towards that now? Have you changed? Have you wavered from that? Yeah. Well, if I'm, if I may, so just some background that, uh, you know, kind of writing these articles for DFW, you like to come up with uh, catchy titles and this one got a lot of attention. Um, I also love statistics. I get to do a lot of it in my career. I have a PhD in statistics. I love doing data analysis. I do a lot of it professionally. I do a lot of it for football. It's really fun. And so this article was really a lot of analytics. So looking back at everyone who has ever had 390 carries in the history of uh, the NFL, I'm trying to remember, and I have it up, and I think, yeah, I think that's that's the history of the NFL, if I remember the analysis. All the dating all the way back to James James Wilder, Eric Dickerson did it. And just the raw average, if you add it up, everyone that had 390 carries, you look at the next year. So the list is Larry Johnson, Jamal Anderson, James Wilder, Eric Dickerson, Eddie George, Gerald Riggs, Terrell Davis, Dickerson again did it, and Barry Foster. On average, they dropped from 345 points to uh well forty nine percent less so th- those are the just the raw numbers uh my gut says that DeMarco Murray is w- really overrated this year, but you know I've kind of had that going in gut, and sometimes you just stick with that for too long um, like in this mock that's coming out, I think everyone now is starting to feel that way, and this is, seems kind of crazy to me too. He was great value Dan got DeMarco Murray at three oh nine pick. Like that's probably way too low for DeMarco Murray. Um, but so I, I do feel like he's probably, uh, you know, I think he's going to come down quite a bit. But uh, I guess if he's there in the later third round, I'd still be willing to take him. Um, kind of a different format. I took DeMarco Murray and uh, the Scott Fishbowl. Um, 2.11. So I had the yeah, second overall pick and then I, I took Antonio Brown and nice. I took DeMarco Murray. I took DeMarco Murray there. So, uh, that, I, th- I thought that was pretty good value and I got, uh, Melvin Gordon on the, on after, after that. So I thought that was pretty good value, but yeah, I do feel like he's going to be, a, there's going to be a drop off carry, especially with Sproles and Matthews, the guys that could do a couple other things really well. Um, Nick, what, what are your what are your thoughts uh, on just just the statement, I guess, and maybe the article? Well, you, you look at Demarco Murray, and not only did he have the 390 carries, but he was actually catching balls out of the backfield too. So he had around 100, uh, 450 touches last year, and that was his first year playing all 16 games. So you know, not only the injury history, the 49% historical drop, uh, the competition for carries, like you mentioned with Brian Matthews and Darren Sproles, I just think he won't be asked to shoulder the kind of load that Dallas asked him to do last year. Uh, last year, I believe he had around 2,200 total yards. I would guess that drops to around 1,400. So maybe not the full 49% drop, but it's definitely not going to be 2,200 yards again. Mm-hmm. 
I feel I like I should have more love for. Oh, oh sorry. He won me a league. Was all I gonna say, <laughs> Demarco Murray? So I appreciate his great year last year. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you also you also got to know when to cut bait. You know, I mean, if you can, if you have him in a dynasty and there's people that are you know chomping at the bit get to get him because they think you know they think he's gonna do that again this year. Well, I mean, why why not? Why not to you know trade trade high on him right now? I mean, we've made. We've made that liking, uh, made that same type of reference to uh, to Jeremy Hill. You know what if what if Jeremy Hill, you know, has 700 yards this year, and and you you turn down a, a you know two first round picks for him this off season because you know he because he was the only rookie running back with a thousand yards last year. I mean, this could be this could be the time to trade high in Jeremy Hill. We, we maybe you know maybe he goes out and has 1500 yards for the next four or five years, which would be awesome especially since i own him but you, you you just you just don't know but um i feel like with the heightened age you can certainly do that with a guy like demarc Murray. sorry 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 to get off track there but uh um so moving forward here we, we also um took a look at uh a fan, your fantasy index mock um interesting i love i love the 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 uh the uh guts that you had in a non PPR league to go receiver receiver. Um we'll see we'll, we'll be very interested to see how that uh that played out in the end. But you went Antonio Brown with one point zero eight and then Julio in the second. And I'm gonna guess that nobody else kinda has has the one two points that you have at receivers. Is is that right? Yeah, definitely. No one's going to have that that one-two punch for sure at receiver. I'm pulling up the uh, – I've got the magazine here. So uh, let's see here. We had uh, – yeah, I'm the only one that went receiver, receiver. Okay. So – and then and then you got – then you went a little running back crazy, as obviously you probably, you probably needed to. But uh, Yeah. I'm looking at – I don't know that I love these backs right now, but – <laughs> but we'll see. Um, I I'm not huge on Carlos Hyde. I know a lot of very smart people that are. Uh, you know, they think the he's lost ten to fifteen pounds, and I feel like that's going to make him faster. And let's face it, this this offense needs to needs a guy like that that can set the table. So I I, I feel like that could be a very good pick. And it's, it, I think it's a decent value. I feel like in a league like this, he should have maybe went a little bit higher. Uh, T.J. Yeldon the fourth. Uh, Tevin Coleman in the fifth. Um, interesting, <laughs> interestingly enough, that me and Nick can go back forth on back and forth on the Yeldon Coleman. So Nick, we haven't talked about it for at least a couple weeks. What what, what are your thoughts on those two guys versus each other right now? Um, same thing I've always said. Uh, Tevin Coleman is the more talented of the two backs, but T.J. Yeldon is in a far better position to uh, have more carries right away. So I definitely would have taken Yeldon first there. Yeah, I do. I, I feel pretty confident with Yeldon. I, yeah, I the uniform that he's wearing is my main concern right now. Even though everybody loves the situation, he's good, he's clearly going to have the, the opportunity and the reps. I just, uh, I, I struggle with that. Um, uh, excuse me, you nabbed Cam Newton as your first quarterback there in the sixth round. That's pretty good value, I think, in a. In a in a standard league, so to speak, I, I like that there. And then you got you got a little more uh, another another rookie running back in the Mira Abdullah, who I, I think that 
people are kind of, you know, on the fence about him this year. But I, I think if if there's a window for him to get to get touches, I think he steals that job because I just think he's got the explosiveness to do it. Uh, and then uh, then Josh Hill and Colin Kaepernick. Corey Smith. And any thoughts there on those players, Nick? Yeah, well, so the format on this is, well, first of all, we're drafting in May, uh, and then there's no transactions, so it's like a you know one of those uh, MFL 10-type leagues. You just draft a, league, draft a team, and then we see. So, you know, I've, I felt like I was trying to just get guys that could have big games, and it fills your lineup in on Tuesdays. So, I think all these guys will probably be certainly inconsistent, like Coleman and Amir, but Abdullah, but I also think they'll have big games. Um, I think Colin Kaepernick has a, a pretty strong season, really. I think, uh, you know, he hasn't had hardly any rushing touchdowns last year. One, I think. And, you know, if he can just get that up and pass a little bit more, he'd have pretty solid numbers. So my thought is between Newton and Kaepernick, one of them will have big games. I'll catch some running stats. You know, the format is it schedules your lineup after the fact, so I like having hookups here. Like, if Torrey Smith scores, I'm going to have a good week, because I'm going to have him and Kaepernick. Uh, if he doesn't, well, I feel like I've got a lot of other good receivers. I've got Brown and Jones, and they'll be fine. I've got John Brown later. Devin Funches, too, which, again, maybe he, when he does hit, hook up, then that'll, I'll get double scores there. Yeah, it's, it's not a bad, and any any thoughts there on I mean I obviously it's the best ball format and you're gonna have the up and downs like we saw with like a guy like Mike Evans last year, but it seems like you took a lot of rookies. Yeah, I feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if you see the value there, I I guess I don't dissuade it because, you know, especially with the running backs I feel like if you know, people are holding out hope for a running back in their third and fourth year, you know, it's probably not gonna happen. There's there's very few Justin Forsett cases out there, you know. So, um, uh, then like I said, with the any Nick, any thoughts here in the receivers? He he went Torrey Smith, then you got Moncrief and John Brown. And and remember, Nick, he's got Julio and Antonio Brown up top there. Yeah, I think it's a great receiver set, especially considering the best ball format. So Torrey Smith, when he catches his 50-yard touchdown once every four weeks, you know, you're going to benefit from that. Uh, and, you know, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, you couldn't ask for a better one-two punch at the top. Uh, you also have uh, Moncrief and Philip Dorsett. So, again, in best ball, Indianapolis receivers have a lot more value because you don't have to worry about the boomer bust factor week to week. And, you know, one thing interesting, uh, considering this is basically kind of a redraft format, but it is best ball. You took you took three quarterbacks, which you know I think in a lot of redraft leagues, some people are fine with just one quarterback as long as they have somebody they're confident. In. You took the three. You took Kaepernick. You know, with your second quarterback off the board in the ninth round, and then you took Blake Blake Bortles there. And and in the best ball format, you you need to have it. You need to you know make sure all these guys are on the same bye week for. But. Uh, how many weeks, Alan, do you feel like you're going to use Bortles as going to be your top-scoring quarterback? Well, I guess I hope not many. And uh, But I do think in best ball format, you should have three quarterbacks. There's only myself and I think two other teams maybe that have three starting quarterbacks. So, you know, maybe maybe Bortles does have Kinty off for some games here or there. And, you know, if not, if one of them get hurt, well, if, one of, if Cam gets hurt, I'm probably toast. But but maybe Bortles can contribute a game or two. Um, 
Um, Not for nothing, but I think kickers are very important too in this format. And, you know, I like having two good kickers, particularly like in May. Uh, you don't even know who's going to have jobs or who's going to lose jobs. There's people that drafted kickers that are going to be definitely out of luck, uh, I bet. But that, but I won't with Justin Tucker or Graham Gano. So I know just kickers, but I think it'll help. I hope. <laughs> I I got a lot of love for Justin Tucker. I don't I don't know why. I'm, I'm not a Ravens fan. Don't and don't tell Mike Mike Kraftick that I'm talking about all these Ravens. But I, I got a lot I got a lot of love for Justin Tucker. Uh, so continuing the rookie trend, you took Forsett and Max Williams really really late. Uh, excuse me. Dorset, Philip Dorset and Max Williams really late. We're looking third tight end, um, what, sixth wide receiver. Do you th- feel like three tight ends is, is a is a must in this type of league too? No, not necessarily on tight end. Um, you know, it was towards the end of the draft. There's probably you know probably multiple ways I could have gone. Max Williams has a lot of talent. I guess the more I think about it, he probably you know tight ends don't typically have big rookie seasons. So, but but we'll see. Maybe he can contribute here or there. Philip Dorsett to me, especially in the uh, 18th round, was a great pick because I have um, Dante Moncrief. So it seems like a very good hedge. I mean, if, at least I'm going to have a piece of that cold action, you know, pretty much no matter what. Mm. Dorsett was actually the 20th round. So yeah, that's 20th round. Yes. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and if you want to look at it, obviously I think that's great value getting Max Williams at the, in the 18th. You know, I, the redraft league that I'm in is only 16 rounds and I'd have no problem taking him there at the end of the draft if he was there. But if you look at it, uh, let's maybe swing it over here to Nick. What, what your, your second tight end is Austin Safarian Jenkins versus Max Williams every week. You know, that's, that could be a, that could be a nice, nice give and take. I think they could play off each other in the best ball format. Don't you think they're Nick? Yeah, especially with Austin Severian Jenkins. I look for him to make a big jump this year in year two. Uh, the, your first tight end, Josh Hill, that scares me a little bit. I know the opportunities there with Jimmy Graham having moved on uh, out of New Orleans, but still, I, he, I haven't seen enough out of Hill for me to be super confident in him as a tight end one, but I think Severian Jenkins could pick up the slack there. Yeah, I regret the Josh Hill pick for sure. Um, so, you know, back in May, especially, you know, you hear all the, the constant road war blurbs where, He's just going to be part of a committee right now. But I, I, uh, I'm i very optimistic on Austin Safarian Jenkins as well. Uh, okay. Well, since you, since you brought it up with the Saints, what um, what are your thoughts? And I and I know you you like him because you wrote about him in, in an article, uh, your DFW48. Uh, forgive me with the name. The year you got rookie what? Oh, yeah, rookie malaria. <laughs> looking really oh man that might be the best title i've seen on dfw yeah that's a good one uh but you took brandon coleman in that league uh at the at the end when the when the veterans entered the the draft do you do you see brandon coleman as more of a not saying he's replacing jimmy graham's role but i feel like he's got the size and he's certainly going to be a little more agile i think to to, to play that role as maybe like I know he's listed as a wide receiver, but he's six six two twenty five. He could easily play that, you know, off the line tight end or the motion tight end, the move tight end, the H back, whatever slot back, whatever exactly you want to call it. I feel like he could be that player because of the, the height, at least, don't you think? Well, he certainly could be. He's six six, and 
you know, for me, I was just taking a flyer, really. It was late in the draft, and um, so we'll see. Uh, you know, you know, like like most of us, I don't know a ton about Coleman. I, you know, he played out of Rutgers. I, you know, I know some of the basics. I haven't really seen him play much, and he hasn't played in the NFL yet, so we'll see. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that, that you brought him up in that article because then I kind of changed my my mind a little bit about him. I know that somebody else is maybe not necessarily fully behind him, but just peaking interest. And I remember talking Yeah, he's roster-worthy. Yeah, he's, I was looking at his – he was asking me about his dynasty team, and I'm just like, you had Brandon Coleman on your team all year last year? Why? You know, and he's just like, <laughs> he's, he's still there. He's still with the organization, you know, and he's like, they got rid of Jamie Graham. They got rid of Kenny Stills. I mean, surely he could see, you know, something this year, and maybe, you know, maybe it could blossom. So, yeah. All right, and then now, crazy um, stuff happens every year. Yeah. That's true. Long story short, I own him in DFW thirty six now. So, uh, <laughs> um, uh, but moving forward, uh, let's. Uh, you brought up Jermaine Gresham. What 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 does this mean to him? I mean, do. You, Obviously, it's more of a redraft than a, than a dynasty moment, if you will. But what do you think about him, his maybe his production there in this offense? Well, I wouldn't think it's super super high per se. Uh, like you mentioned, um, Bruce Arians' offense doesn't really have a lot of uh, passes to tight ends. But you know, he's a veteran guy. He's competent. You know, he's a former high round pick. I mean, he's going to go in. I mean, there's no competition there. I don't see there's a, you know. I can't believe there's any way he's not starting uh, for sure for Arizona. So that's a big plus. And, um, you know, he had uh, five touchdowns last year, and uh, he probably can contribute some there. I don't, I don't see a huge year, but, um, but you know, you could, you could potentially flex him, I think, if you look up on other positions as a tight end, I mean. Not, not flex him, but, but uh, use him as a platoon tight end situation maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I have him in a league. I picked him up before he signed with the team because I knew that I knew the the news is rumbling again, and I basically traded all my other tight end talent away for for younger younger players. I traded Julius Thomas away. I traded Vernon Davis away. Thank God, I don't like that guy at all. But anyway, um, and so my tight ends right now are Michael Pruitt. Eric Ebron, who I love, and I'm very confident in him, and uh, and uh, oh, Jermaine Gresham. I, I did have Andrew Collis, but I've decided to cut ties with him now that he's definitely going to get suspended. It sounds like so. Uh, I was leaving leaving myself a little thin there, and 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 basically a team that was rebuilding. But if I need somebody that I could, you know, start every week, or if 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 Ebron doesn't become the the amazing player that he will, I think he's going to be. I, I certainly have a backup plan there in Gresham. So. Nick, any, any thoughts yeah. there on, on Gresham to Arizona? Well, I think at this point in his career, Gresham's a better blocker than either receiver. He was under 500 yards and only 7.5 yards per catch last year. So I, I think he provides a slight uptick to everybody else on the team's uh, fantasy value, other than, of course, the current tight ends, Darren Fells and Troy Nicholas. And I know if uh, Nicholas is one of my sleepers, this signing would make me really nervous. But I think Gresham as himself is probably no better than a low-end tight end, too, in fantasy. But he is probably the best on the team. Yeah, he's, he could have a couple weeks where he scores a couple of touchdowns. Maybe, maybe. The crazy thing about the Bruce Arians offense is, this is a two tight end offense. Like that's how they start. That's you know that's their main offensive setup is using two tight ends. Yet they don't use them at all. Besides for 
uh, for blocking, like like Nick said there. So we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, uh, Alan, anything else you want to add before we let you go there? Let's sit on Gresham for me. Okay. All right. Well, uh, one I guess one more thought I maybe wanted to get your get your your thoughts on, and and I know you're kind of the guy in charge over there with the with the redraft. When you when you're doing a draft, how a redraft? How how old is too old? Is there a certain point where you're like, no, I don't want that guy? And, and I know it's just one year, but obviously you know with running backs, especially the injury concerns. But how old is too old for you in redraft? Well, I would say, um, as you saw my mock, my mock draft there, I definitely tend to, uh, and this is the reason why I like playing Dynasty too. I, I love studying rookies, and I tend to draft younger players. You always want to get the the guy that's about to break out, and I'm really guilty of that for sure. Um, that said, I don't know that I have an age per se. I mean, it's really case by case. I mean, what's Frank Gore about to be? 33, I think, this year, and uh, I think he still can be be very solid. You know, I think it, it varies position by position. Um, you know, on, on the other hand, what, Matt Forte is 40, uh, of course, 32. Um, Matt Forte is 29, and, you know, I think this is the year to kind of get away from him. So I don't think I have a I'm, – I'm sure there's a lot of – I know there's a lot of statistics around age and, and running, for example. Um, but I, I don't know that I really focus on the age per se. It's more case-by-case case basis. You know, some of these older quarterbacks, no problem taking Carson Palmer um, late. Um, Andre Johnson is an older receiver, I think, can have a good season for sure. Hard not to be – like the Packers, hard not to get as much of the cold action as he can. Yeah, and, you know, obviously, you look at a guy like Andre Johnson versus a guy like Larry Fitzgerald, who's kind of struggled health-wise the last couple of years, you know. Andre Johnson has been a great player for the Houston Texans, an amazing player for the Houston Texans with who at quarterback, you know, I mean, could you name more than maybe five guys that throw in as a touchdown? I mean, it's just, it's insane. The fact that they just, they have no interest in finding the franchise quarterback for this team. Yet Andre Johnson has been an amazing player for them for, for how long now? So yeah, it's, and then, you know, Larry, on the flip side, he's had the health issues. He seems to be slowing down. I know he has broken 1,000 yards in a couple of years. He's broken 800 yards in a couple of years. But, uh, yeah, certainly got to treat that with a case-by-case basis. Well, Alan, thank you so much for joining us, and, and I hope you can come back now that uh, your summer vacations are over. Hopefully we can get you on during the season to maybe help us with some, some things here and there. So we, we appreciate you and, and always love reading your stuff. I appreciate that. I appreciate you guys and having me on, and I'm happy to come on anytime. So keep up the great work and uh, enjoy the rest of the summer as well. All right, cool. Well, thank you, Alan, and have a great day. Take care. Uh, Nick, any thoughts on how old is too old in redraft? Well, I think it all just depends on the position, and like Alan said, a case-by-case basis. Uh, I mean, you look at the receivers and tight ends last year. Steve Smith, Anquan Bolden, Vincent Jackson, Andre Johnson, Roddy White, and Marcus Colston were all over 30, and all of them ranked in the top 30 wide receivers as far as receiving yards, and then ancient Antonio Gates had 12 touchdowns. So I don't think there is an age that's too old. I would just I would say, though, especially with quarterbacks and older running backs, that if you do are counting on one, I would try to have a decent backup to replace them with later 
earlier in the year, we saw Drew Brees, Peyton Manning slide off to the end of last year. Uh, Allen brought up uh, Foster only having one 100-yard performance in the second half of last season. So you do want to have good depth if you are counting on older players. Yeah, and and uh, just like Allen said, that uh, if you're looking, you redrafters out there, that we did that re- article just did release. It's just a four-round mock uh, on – so it's, you know – Obviously, with those redrafts, I don't know if you necessarily win the league in those first four rounds, and maybe Nick can disagree with that. But you don't win your league in the first four rounds, but you can certainly lose your league. I feel like if you miss on that first or second rounder or two of those top four rounds, you could be, you know, it's going to certainly hurt your your overall because you're missing out, you know, on a on a cream 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 of the crop type of player. So uh, if you want to check that out, like I said, it's just four rounds, but it's obviously four very important front loaded rounds there there in redraft. What, what do you think about that, Nick? I mean, I feel like like I said, you don't necessarily win it in the first four rounds, but it's really easy to lose it if you if you miss on a couple of those guys. Oh, definitely. I remember a few years back uh, when Michael Vick had his breakout season with the Eagles that completely knocked me out of the playoffs that year. So I drafted him in the first round the next year, and he busted big time. Totally killed my year, missed the playoffs. Oh, yes. I am happy to report that I've started – excuse me. I've used Michael Vick exactly for one week in fantasy football history, and he – broke his hip or something like that in the first quarter and left the game. So uh, that was all, that was all the Michael Vick that I needed to uh, uh, experience. Um, it appears we have a caller, something that doesn't happen very often. Let's see, let's see what they got for us. Hello, you're on the Dynasty Pulse podcast from Nick and Josh. Hey, hello. Can you hear hello? me? Yep. Yeah, we can hear you just fine. Hey, what's up? What's up? Yeah, about that Michael Vick thing. I think he he got a, a, a bruise, a rib. Remember? Yeah, I don't know. He left the game. That's all. That's all. That's all I got. <laughs> oh yeah, I have terrible bad luck with Chargers players, man. I drafted Antonio Gates. He sucked. I drafted uh, Philip Rivers the year before. He sucked. And then the next year, which was last year, he did great. Like, what's up with that? And then I drafted Keenan Allen. He sucked. Uh, what's up with that? I drafted <laughs> Ryan Matthews. He sucked. I drafted Malcolm Floyd. He freaking got injured. I mean, what the hell is with these Charger players? So are are you going after Melvin Gordon this year? I'm thinking about it, but I'm afraid because he, he's he's what top, <laughs> he, he's planning to go like what top five top, um, in, the, in, the, in the top five, uh, top five rounds, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I feel like he's a he's a third round guy that he's gonna be he's gonna be there in the third round. You're gonna have to make a decision there. But that's the thing, though. I have bad luck with Charger players, man. I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel the same way about Raiders. I have I have being a Raiders fan. I I try to avoid them, which has been relatively easy for the last decade. <laughs> Are you a Raiders fan? So. Yeah. Did you just say? Yeah, I admitted it out in public, but um, yeah. Every time I wow, see, I, use, I feel bad I, for you. I feel <laughs> I feel compelled to use them, and uh, yeah, that never works out good for me. So did you? I mean, did you have a question? You got, you got Derek Carr. You got Derek Carr. Yep. You're just asking what we think about Derek Carr. Yeah. 
second. I I am obviously very happy that he's my quarterback, but I don't think I'm going to stretch too far. It doesn't him. matter what you think. Excuse me? Hello? I, sorry, I think we lost our... I think we lost our caller. I think he said it doesn't matter what I think. Then why did he call in? But anyway, that's why we don't field a lot of phone calls here. Um, <laughs> moving on, uh, what do we got on tap? Oh, yes, it's Dynasty Depth Charger time. This is a new article, speaking of our, our friend who didn't say his name and having problem with chargers. This is a guy that maybe buried on the depth chart right now, but we feel like he is easily rosterable. Jimmy Ward is who I got for you. Currently backing up Eric Reed in San Francisco at the free safety position. Uh, also, Jakursky Tart could be taking some reps from both of these guys, so certainly another name to watch there. But I want Jimmy Ward. And going along my uh, my lines of the, uh, the second-year player type of uh, strategy here, uh, foot injury costs Ward half 2014, but the only person in front of him, like I said, is Eric Reed, who's had concussion issues, and he's also contemplated retirement this offseason. So, you know, if, if he ha- has another issue, that could be very detrimental to have him on your roster. I, I, I personally have dropped him in, in an IDP league, and I, and I don't want anything to do with him. Um, and I was going to replace him with Jimmy Ward, but he wasn't available. So we're not the only ones on the Jimmy Ward train. Uh, Jimmy Ward only had 19 tackles in eight, eight games last year as a rookie. But like I said, he, the foot injury cost him half of the season. Um, again, um, don't, you know, don't you dare bail on these second-year players because of the lack of production. I just feel like there's value to be had there. They're still under contract. This team isn't giving up on him. Jamie Ward is a former first-round pick, as is Eric Reed. Um, but I don't think they're ready to bail on Jamie Ward. So he's a vicious hitter. He's got great lateral ability. He can play in the box. He could also be, you know, like the single high tight end since he's currently listed as a free safety. But I just think he has the lateral ability to play in the box and kind of thwart the run. Uh, but he also can trim the edges there as a single high safety. He just he just has, like I said, lateral ability to get to get to the cross. He's not a big guy, five eleven, hundred and ninety pounds. Uh, but uh, uh, he just he just has a lot of abilities, and I think fully healthy, he's going to see some snaps this year. You know, sure he's blocked right now, but if he remains healthy, he's certainly going to see some action. So. He's not available in, in DFW 36, so that means there's three people out there that are still still on the Jimmy Ward train or haven't cut him yet. So uh, another, and if somebody that does cut him, he's certainly somebody to consider if you need safety depth. I know me and Nick were really high in this guy going into the draft last year, and I think a lot of people were surprised that he went in the first round. So he's maybe got that first round pedigree curse, but. Don't give up on him just quite yet, and that's our depth charger of the week. What do you think about Jimmy Ward there, Nick? Yeah, I agree with everything you said about Jimmy Ward. Um, I was really high on him coming out of Northern Illinois last year, and, you know, I feel like we're a broken record, but sometimes these uh, rookies take a little time to, to contribute and don't come out the gates firing on all cylinders. So, yeah, if you can find a owner that's impatient and, you know, tr- make a trade for pennies on the dollar compared to what he went for last year, then by all means do it. 
Yeah, very, very rarely does a rookie play, you know, for their first game in week five, like Odell Beckham and just, you know, be productive like he, like he was he, week in, week out, you know. Even if these rookies have huge weeks, don't count on him, you know, doing that, duplicating that, or even maybe even getting close to that the next week because, you know, game film is accessible to just about everybody. You know, how they are successful in those games is certainly going to be combed combed over time and time again. Um, moving forward, we have um, a dynasty dilemma to get to. Um, this week we're pitting, like I said, Jay Myers suggested Cody Latimer versus Dante Moncrief. I had the option to go first, so I am taking Mr. Moncrief. Um, obviously, very different situations going on here, but let's just play the short music clip while I... <laughs> Okay, Dante Moncrief versus Cody Latimer. Um, Latimer is maybe the third wide receiver on his team right now. And he basically has very little rapport with Peyton Manning, who should be retiring soon. Uh, Let's hope Brock Osweiler, he knows Brock Osweiler well enough to bark at him. Uh, Moncrief has luck on his side. That's Andrew Luck and the ancient Andre Johnson in front of him. I know Philip, DeSort, Philip Dorsett is also in camp as well, but he is merely T.Y. Hilton's backup slash insurance policy at this point. I honestly and truly believe that's why Philip Dorsett is there. Uh, while Peyton is one of the greatest, I don't think anyone would discourage me from calling Luck the next greatest quarterback. Peyton made do with Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. He made do with two. Vi- he made two very productive receivers out of both of those guys. So why can't Luck do the same in the future with Hilton and Moncrief? Andre Johnson is there two years tops. If the Colts win the Super Bowl this year, I can tell you Andre Johnson will probably never wear an NFL uniform again. That means he's going to retire. Moncrief is a project, but all the aforementioned his, his all aforementioned peers, I think, will raise him up. He he's I know it's a messy situation, but he has. Everybody's QB number one, Andrew freaking Luck as his quarterback. With Wayne gone and Hakeem Nix gone, there's 116 and 68 targets respectfully that need to be replaced. Moncrief pulled down 32 of 49 targets, by the way, and outgained all but T.Y. Hilton, Reggie Wayne, and Kobe Fleener last year. So unlike Moncrief, excuse me, unlike Latimer, Moncrief already has an NFL history of being a wide receiver three on an NFL team. Um, I know Nick's going to maybe drive home Philip Dorsett and Duran probably not going to make the team Carter. So Nick, have at it. Well, you know, Josh, people like you and I slap our jaws endlessly about this great game fantasy football, but really it all comes down to this skill plus opportunity equals production. Now, both these receivers are 22 years old, six foot two, and have the talent to play, but I believe there will be far more opportunities for Latimer to shine. 
last year, the now former Broncos, Julius Thomas and Wes Welker, combined for 92 catches, 950 yards, and 14 touchdowns. Somebody has to pick up where they left off, and it would be tough to ask any more out of Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, as they each had over 100 catches and combined for over 3,000 yards. They did sign the aging tight end Owen Daniels and drafted in the third round a tight end Jeff Huberman, who uh, is now out for the year with the torn ACL. But the fact that they didn't draft or sign any wide receivers of note speaks volumes of their confidence in Cody Latimer moving forward. Now, where Latimer will likely be third in the pecking order for targets, we have no idea how Indy's target distribution will turn out. Moncrief won't be the number one. As T.Y. Hilton, the 80-catch, 1,300-yard, and seven-touchdown year, has him entrenched at number one. Andre Johnson wouldn't assign there if he didn't think he'd start, in my opinion. And while uh, tight ends Colby Fleener and Dwayne Allen both had better fantasy numbers than Moncrief last year. So that puts him at luck. This provided Moncrief beats out the first-round pick, Bill Dorsett, speedster for Miami. And, heck, you know, like you mentioned, Indianapolis also brought in Chris Carter's son, Duran, and signed former San Diego receiver Vincent Brown. Now, those last two guys are long shots to surpass Moncrief, of course, but you never know what could happen. With Andrew Luck having so many miles to feed, I could see the Indianapolis pass catchers being one of the most frustrating groups in fantasy football last year. So, really, that's the biggest reason that I would prefer Cody Latimer. I am not concerned as long as Andrew Luck is their quarterback. Anybody else, I think I would be. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's – I don't know. It's, I think Luck can make all these guys successful. And, you know, obviously he's not going to see Latimer, – Latimer, excuse me, Monkey's going to probably see the same amount of snaps that he saw last year. But now he's got, I think, a better a better athlete at this point in his career than Andre Johnson on the field as opposed to Reggie Wayne. And so, I mean, he's going to be in single coverage. I feel like he's got the opportunity to probably lead this team in yards per catch and probably touchdowns over 20 yards. So I, I, and that's just this year, I think moving forward, Moncrief is certainly going to be a big piece to that puzzle. And, if, and on the flip side, you know, this team just locked up Demarius Thomas. Um, so Latimer's, you know, never going to be the wide receiver one probably in Denver. He could be the wide receiver two as soon as Emmanuel Sanders leaves, but Sanders isn't exactly old. Um, so, you know, let's say the Colts won the Super Bowl this year. T.Y., let's say T.Y.'s got 1,700 yards. He's going to be making big money on the open market. The Colts aren't going to be able to match it. Andre Johnson retires. Oh, it's Dante Moncrief and Andrew Luxshaw. Maybe, just maybe that happens. Uh, so, and you know, Luck's already going to have two years with Moncrief, and they're going to be uh, comfortable with each other. Um, and I, I really struggle. I sat down to try to find a compa- comparison for both of these, and I could not just come up with one for Latimer. I think he's a very gifted athlete, um, but just, I don't know, he seems bulkier than a lot of receivers that I wanted to compare it to. Um, but not, you know, but uh, maybe taller than a lot of the little guys I want to pair. But the one guy that kept coming back and I could not move off of it with Moncrief was actually Marvin Harrison. Maybe that's too convenient of a comparison, but I, I feel like he has that capability, and I think he's got underrated hands, too. I don't think he's going to do uh, what uh, what uh, we talked about earlier, 140 receptions any time soon, but uh, I think he could be future he could be a future wide receiver one at that a certain point i don't know if latimer ever will reach that so 
maybe long-term projection here for, for a couple of guys that are not going to see, you know, majority of snaps for their teams this year. So, uh, good, good, uh, good dilemma there. We'll get that up on the site so you can vote on that as well. Nick, are you okay with Mr. Oakland Raider himself, Amari Cooper, being the top-rated rookie on Madden? Yeah, I think so. I mean, sure, Leonard Williams was my number one rated rookie, but lately, talent or lately, uh, wide receivers transition a lot quicker than defensive linemen. So I think it's probably a good choice. Plus, really, who cares now that it's 2015 and new roster updates are coming constantly in Madden? You know, I remember when you had to manually go in and fix the flawed rosters. Like, oh, George is still the starter in Washington over Tony Banks. I got to change that. <laughs> Uh, we had to work Tony Banks in here at some point. <laughs> I got to get a hold of that guy. Certainly he's not doing a whole lot. And he probably doesn't listen to the podcast. He doesn't hear us making fun of him. We're going to get Tony Banks on the show. That's my goal. That's my goal by Christmas. All right, Nick, getting Tony Banks. Um, maybe he does listen. He absolutely does. Maybe that was him that called earlier. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Let's get on to best number 22 in NFL history. You still got time for that, Nick? Yeah, we can do that. Okay. What do you got for it? All right. Well, we'll start off with the Hall of Famer, Roger Worley. He's a three-time All-Pro and seven-time Pro Bowler for the St. Louis Cardinals from 69 to uh, 1982. Mostly a cornerback, but played a little safety, too. Uh, Mercury Morris is probably not Hall of Fame material, but he did rush for over 1,000 yards for the undefeated 1972 Dolphins when he went to the second of his third Pro Bowls. Uh, Bob Hayes, the wide receiver for Dallas from 1965 to 74, went to the Pro Bowl in each of his first four seasons. It was a two-time All-Pro, and his uh, 20 yards per perception over his career is still good for sixth of all time. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2009. Uh, Gil Bird, the father of current safety Jarius Bird, 42 interceptions over his 10 years. He only went to two Pro Bowls, but those two selections came in the last of his two years when he was over 30, so that's kind of different for a corner. Uh, Dave Dewerson was a four-time Pro Bowler for the Bears, went to the first of his four Pro Bowls in the 1985 Super Bowl year. Uh, Fred Jackson's not as decorated as these other players, but Josh, I know how much you love him, so I'll at least mention his name here in the greatest number 22 conversation. Uh, moving on, Asante Samuel, four-time Pro Bowler and two-time Super Bowl champ. He turned a combined 16 interceptions in 2006 and 2007 to a big payday moving from New England to Philadelphia, where he did still go to three Pro Bowls, so he wasn't a free agent bust by any means. Uh, Paul Krause is the NFL's all-time leading interceptor, 81 interceptions, eight Pro Bowls, three-time All-Pro, three-time All-Pro, and made me feel kind of dumb for not knowing his first four seasons were actually in Washington before he moved on to Minnesota, where he's better known. Uh, Matt Forte has never had a under 900 yards rushing any of his seven seasons. I'm surprised, though, that he only has two Pro Bowls on his resume. You know, many times our choice in this segment is somewhat debatable, but I don't think it is in this case. Emmett Smith is the NFL's all-time leading rusher, led the league in rushing four times, went to eight Pro Bowls, was an all-pro in four straight years from 92 to 95, three-time Super Bowl champ. Heck, he even rushed for over 900 yards as a 35-year-old in Arizona. I don't think he was the best running back of his generation. That honor I would give to Barry Sanders, but Emmett is the greatest number 22 of all time. Uh, yeah, Emmett was certainly in a good situation, and I don't like the Florida Gators, <laughs> but I'll, I'll 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 begrudgingly agree with you there. Um, Paul Cross, though, is another guy. I think he was also the the placeholder in Minnesota for a long time too. But twelve interceptions as a rookie 
Um, I think Mark Carrier for the Bears broke that record in the early 90s. But that's crazy. And all-time leading interceptor. He was just a phenomenal player and a huge part of the Vikings making it to Super Bowls in the 70s. Uh, but certainly a Hall of Famer. Um, just a player that maybe didn't get a great recognition. I mean, all-time leading interceptor when he retired. That's just that's that's amazing. 81 interceptions. You know, think of all the great defensive backs who have played this game. And this this guy is is is, the, is stands on top. So I I keep to yeah can't preface this enough. If you don't know anything about Paul Krause, you need to do a little research on him because he certainly was a was a phenomenal player in his own right and deserves. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and uh, he will, uh, yeah, forever be one of one of my favorite players. Again, I've seen a lot of NFL films, uh, so I watched a lot of Viking highlights too as a kid. So uh, he's uh, a phenomenal player. But yeah, it's got to be Emmett Smith. You know, one thing I feel like Emmett never got a lot of credit for was what what the kind of receiver he was out of backfield. You know, you don't think of that era producing uh, pass catching running backs. Uh, that was more the that was more of a time where they used fullbacks to catch the ball out of the background. But Emmett Smith was a very good pass catcher and obviously a part of some very good Super Bowl teams uh, there in uh, in Dallas. But uh, sorry to shine the spotlight on the Dallas Cowboy, Nick, but you know we had to go there. Um, uh, let's get to some dynasty trade analysis. Just a couple of them here today for you. Um, Stedman Bailey, who interestingly enough was written about uh, and uh, on the website by Alex Ono Nushu. I'm sure I butchered your last name, Alex, but uh, you're going to have to call me and help me tell me how to pronounce that correctly. But he's the guy. He is kind of on sleeper radar with him. I'm not sure I can agree with that, but uh, I'm sure he makes some very good points in that article. So make sure you go check that out. Uh, Stedman Bailey. And the third round pick next year for uh, Josh Gordon. What are your thoughts there? Well, uh, I actually am a Josh Gordon owner, so I look at this from the perspective, would I have traded Gordon for Stedman Bailey in a third round pick? And uh, my answer is absolutely not. I think that's probably a steal. You have room on your roster and you're deep enough at receiver. Uh, I think Josh Gordon is a very nice stash. You know, maybe he figures things out. Maybe he never plays again. Who knows? But if he does play again, he will probably contribute at a very high level. Yeah. He's worth the gamble, I think, is what we're trying to say there. Um, and Stedman Bailey's the fourth receiver <laughs> uh, on a team that has two really good running backs. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe somebody else has some Stedman Bailey uh, intel. But, uh, yeah. I gotta agree with there. You just you just don't know, and you know even if Stedman Bailey's just a throw and he's thinking about a third round pick, you know, I if you know a rookie that's going to be productive in the third round of rookie drafts next year already, please join DFW and write an article about it because I want to know who it is too. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's going to outproduce Josh Gordon if he plays all year next year. That would be that would be awesome. So please let us know who that is. Uh, the Bronx, uh, another trade here from DFW 36, uh, 2016 second round pick and 2016 fourth round pick for Malik Jackson, Gerard Mayo, 
and Desmond Trufant. Well, I think Jackson's kind of a fringe player at this point, so it's basically the second and fourth for Mayo and Trufant. So you're getting a starting linebacker and starting corner. I think this is a fair trade. I, you know, I, maybe a little bit much to give up for defensive players. A lot of times there's more depth there than there is at the offensive skill positions, but I, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I look at this as somebody maybe trying to load uh, load their defense up for a run. I actually I wrote about Malik Jackson in our article last week as we created the teams in the AFC West. I think he has a chance to make some waves in that defense. He's a three four defensive end. I feel like he could, you know, outside chance to be like an eight eight sack guy and with uh, a whole lot of linebacker talent behind him. I feel like he's going to certainly not not demand, you know, a couple blockers every play. So I feel like he's going to, he could make an impact. And he's a, he's a guy that's been, you know, he's played inside a little bit. And that being a 3-4-D and you're required to take up a little bit more space. You're kind of like a, a hybrid defensive tackle in that type of format. So I feel like he could, he could do that, you know, where he's going to be asked to take up a little bit of space. I feel like he'd also be able to, uh, to break free, and you know, if if you know Von Miller is crushing the edge on the other side, uh, that could be to Malik Jackson's benefit there. So I, I'd like I'd like the trade. Um, if you you know if you didn't get the rookie defensive guys that you wanted, or you prefer veterans at this point, Gerard Mariel is asked, obviously kind of a boomer bust guy. You know, if this guy could stay fully healthy for a season, he could be a nice a nice IDP piece there at, at LB. Uh, Desmond Trufant, probably one of the better defensive players there in Atlanta. He is a cornerback, which is kind of a, a weird IDP position, but uh, he's he could certainly contribute there. You know, maybe not every week, but he certainly could have his week. So I don't think this is a bad trade at all. And you know, it's a, it's the second and the fourth round. It may, it may seem like a lot, but it's not a bad one. Okay, uh, AJ Green or Hill, first overall pick. Um, non-PPR, touchdown-heavy, length, bonus, teams, and picks in SIG. Um, okay. Uh, would you give up first overall pick for A.J. Green or Hill? What Hill are they talking about here? I, I wish... Uh, Jeremy, Jeremy I wish, Hill would be my guess. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, yes. Yeah. I'm sure... I was sure to pick Gurley, but one owner told me that he'd consider this. I am thin at RB, but solid at wide receiver. Why would you, would you do it, and why? So basically, would you give up a first overall pick for A.J. Green or Jeremy Hill? Um, 23 years, hometown dynasty. <laughs> uh, 14 teams. Uh, current roster is Luck, Mettenberger, Dez, Evans, Moncrief, Justin Hunter. His running backs are Ingram, Spiller, and Christian Michael. At tight end, he's got Fleenier and Heath Evans. His picks are 1. 1. 1.1, 1. 1.9, 2.12, 3.2, and 3.9. Ah! Uh, I would probably not do it for AJ Green, but I think I would do it for Jeremy Hill, just considering his running back situation there. What do you think, Nick? Oh, I agree 100%. He's loaded at receiver where 
as running back, he's definitely weak. I definitely would trade a. I would rather have Jeremy Hill on my roster than uh, Todd Gurley. So yeah, I, I would do that in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. If you really want to upgrade, and let's say Melvin Gordon gets past one point two, if you can throw like your one point nine and two point one two for the next pick, take Melvin Gordon. I don't think that's a bad bad idea, but you could also look at a guy like maybe T.J. Eldon at 1.9, Kevin Coleman, uh, even J.H.I. as a nice future piece. Um, There's certainly certainly possibilities. J.H.I. could be there with 2.12 too, maybe maybe not. I don't think you would, but there's certainly certainly options there to upgrade your your running situation. If you can throw two of those picks at somebody, you know, why, why not? Okay, Mike Evans plus one point for Gronk. I feel like we've talked to Gronk and Evans a little bit before, but uh, owner texted me about Gronk. Offer with Mike Evans and pick 1.07. Seems light to me, but I'm trying not to let history repeat itself. He offered me Evans for his first and his first for Alston Jeffrey last year, like the six, like six-ish right before Evans went off on a TD tear, like week six-ish before Evans went off on a TD tear. And I regretted not taking it. Uh, 12-team PPR, one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, one kicker. Uh, there is Newton, Hoyer, and quarterback, Bell. I'm assuming that's Joyce. Bell, not our Lavian Bell, I guess it could be. Um, Spiller, Sims, Albert Blue, and Bryce Brown. Wide receivers are Dez, Jeffrey, um, Allen, Michael Floyd, Percy Harvin, Wheaton, Moncrief, and Marquise Wilson. Tight ends are Gronk, Ertz, and Wright. Kicker is Kowski. He has pick 1.10, 3.1, and 4.1. Did you get that, Nick? Yep, yep. Personally, I would not make this. I would not make this trade, especially given your roster. And I think that's a solid enough roster that with Gronkowski, you could possibly put in for a championship if you stay healthy. Whereas without Gronk, yeah, you might be fighting out for a playoff spot. So I would not make that trade. I think your receivers are already solid enough. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I mean. Zach Earth is not the answer as far as I'm concerned. I know some people are high in him, but I just feel like he's not u- utilizing that system well enough. Um, I you, you got to hold Gronk. And you, even if he puts more pressure on it, you got to hold on to Gronk in that situation. Okay, I have a couple first-round picks, 1.06, 1. 1.09. Uh, he wants to drink Abdullah, Yeldon, and Coleman, and I'm looking to get at least one of these, if not two running backs with those picks. How would you rank these three in the draft? Would you be looking to pick them? If it were based on talent alone and their situations were not a factor, would that change the order at all? What do you think, Bernard? Well, right now I would rank them uh, probably Yeldon number one, Abdullah two, and Colby three. Uh, if you were basing it uh, just based on their talent and not their situation, I would actually flip that around. I would go uh, Tevin Coleman number one, Abdullah two, and Yeldon three. But I just think that the opportunity is going to be there for Yeldon to touch the ball a lot more than the other two. Uh, I would go on 
on talent and situation being the same, actually. I would still go Coleman, Abdullah, Yeldon. Um, I, we know Coleman's going to see production year one, even if it's 40%, even if, you know, Freeman ultimately takes, you know, the majority there. It's just going to be a slight majority. Um, yeah, Abdullah, you know, it's, that all really depends on, um, Joyce Bell's health, but, and, and the, and I'm just not sold on TJ Elvin. I just, I just can't. I can't. In, I can't endorse taking him over those two guys. Um, and I know some people totally disagree with that. I had we had somebody in DFW take uh, DFW thirty six takes uh, yelled it over the last copy of Kevin White. And that was, as far as I'm concerned, to my benefit because I got Kevin White. But uh, you know that that situation where he's going to see them. He's certainly going to has the opportunity to see more carry than either one of those guys. Um, that's what it looks like right now. I just don't think that's going to be the case at the end of the year. I think Coleman definitely sees production, and I think that he's going to see more carries, uh, more touches, I should say, all all together uh, than Yeldon. I don't think Yeldon's going to be used um, as a third third and long type guy. I think he could be on the field for three downs, but not third and long. He's coming off because they've got a lot of receivers. Plus, we got Denard Robinson there. So, I, you know, Denard Robinson is a guy, if people are just getting rid of him for nothing, I think you should take him up. I think he's worth worth a gamble, worth a late-round flyer, most certainly. But, And that's just because I have very harsh feelings towards TJ Eldon. What if I think he runs like a wounded swan. I think he's going to get his head taken off. But speaking uh, <laughs> of broken record. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just, just not totally sold on it. So, um now we get to do something that we haven't done for, I don't know when was the last time we did this, Nick. I feel like we didn't forget it last week, and then we didn't get to I forgot it last week. I'm not believing him. And then I feel like we didn't do one time, and it's just been way too long since we've done this little thing that we like to call Nick Graham. got to get going, but uh, I also would have been surprised at all the trash being talked about DeMarco Murray, the Cowboys Nation, this offseason. Of course, when players sign with the division rivals, some fans will run their mouths, especially if that team's base has a large number of casual fans who claim to be experts, as has been my experience with many, but of course not all, Cowboys fans. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a casual fan. That's how I describe myself when it comes to the National Hockey League in Minnesota Wild, but I also wouldn't dream of pretending I know what's going on personnel-wise on that team. Anyway, the Cowboys fans trash or MVP from last year is a little surprising, but what really gets me is the current and former players that are hammering on. The shoplifter and current Dallas running back Joseph Randall said a while back that Murray left a lot of meat on the bone last year. And uh, more recently, former uh, Cowboys and Arizona Cardinal running back uh, Emma Smith pretty much said Murray should have had 2,500 yards last year instead of the league-leading 1,845 yards of death. Really, Emmett, Dallas' offensive line was so good that Murray should have shattered Eric Dickerson's 30-year-old single-season rushing record by 400 yards? Really? I mean, some say your offensive line was the greatest ever. You never had an 800-yard season. So Dallas' current offensive line is so much better than the one you had worked with that Murray should have topped your best season by, like, 800 yards, even though you're the NFL all-time leading rusher. I mean, 
I saw some opportunity that was left on the football field where he could have had 2,500 yards. Whatever. I have a feeling that coming this January when Dallas Cowboys are watching the Eagles in the playoffs from the comfort of their couches, they'll realize how special the season really was last year. Sorry, but Darren McFadden company are nowhere near the talent level of healthy DeMarco Murray. Good luck, Dallas. You're going to need it. Um, you shots fired, by the way. Shots fired. You bring up a good point that made me just start to think about, you know, when these guys break 2,000 yards rushing, did their teams ever win Super Bowl? I mean, how far did these teams go? How good is the record of these teams? I mean, if you have a guy that's over 1,800 yards in rushing, it's maybe because you're winning games, but, I mean, he is your whole offense. So, you know, while it's awesome for fantasy owners, it's not necessarily maybe good for the team. You know, and I – I, I, I do, you feel, do you feel what I'm saying, Nick? Do you kind of see where I'm coming from here? I mean, it's like, yeah, you guys were awesome, productive, but it was only good for you and your fantasy owners. That, like you said, they they could potentially Dallas sitting on the sitting on the couch and watching Murray. So maybe you know, maybe Murray, like Alan said earlier, has that big drop off in production, but maybe because you know they have this amazing three headed monster at running back again. But not good for fantasy owners, could be good for the actual NFL team, don't you think? I get where you're coming from, but I just think so much of Dallas' offense last year was centered around DeMarco Murray and his production that I, I, I foresee them struggling this year. Oh, yeah, yeah. And just because you have an amazing offensive line doesn't mean that any running back could, could do that. And uh, I guess we'll see, you know, as people continue to pound the doors for Joseph Randall. I. I am not on that train. I've already put my hand in that in that pot, and I'm saying Lance Unbar. So uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Another long show. Great information. Always fun to have Burgundy on. Amazing thanks to Mr. Alan Sally for enlightening in us. And uh, have have fun. Take you know if you have a moment later on, tonight, sit down, do a little feed bumps. They are great. We're going to talk about those coming up next week, too, on a future podcast. So make sure you do that. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. Don't forget, Sir William Servey is going to be on next week. We're going to grill him. It's going to be awesome. Take care.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.